0: Somehow, I had agreed to be some sort of uh, roller coaster teacher or or, or advisor, right? I, w- I was known to be sort of an expert on roller coasters, and uh, this this guy, uh, he was uh, going to ride roller coasters for the first time, and he had hired me as as his teacher. Like, what do you do? You know, how do how, how do you approach it? How do you get over your fears? And and I said, sure, I'll be your teacher, and. um, so I arrived at the, at the place and it was a, uh, a supermarket, right? And, but above it, there was this whole complex and he said, you, you find aisle 11, right? And there'll be these escalators going up and, uh, up there you'll find this, uh, this kind of an indoor theme park and you'll meet him there and, uh. Right, and then you'll start going on all the roller coasters, and you'll talk to them, and um. So I uh, I found Isle eleven, and there was a. Yeah, the escalators going up were really weird. It, they were like really thin and, uh, not. Just very strange, and there were people going up and down this one bank of, uh, of very thin escalators. It was very strange um, And I found Each area Right, huge Kind of interior spaces uh, All of them having Like Sometimes like restaurants Like in these various places I remember going to a restaurant I think I may have been trying to, fi- to Find a bathroom in one of the restaurants uh, Finally, I I did somehow find the entrance to this indoor theme park. And I felt sure that I would find them there. Uh, I was actually kind of, there was a, almost like vines and ropes. I was kind of jumping around because that was sort of my thing. I was sort of like acrobatic, like I could jump on these vines and swing down. So that's why I was very good at the, at riding roller coasters and stuff. Um, but this theme park seemed very, it was almost completely abandoned. There was like no one there. And I didn't really see any roller coasters either. I'm like, wait, is this the right indoor theme park above the supermarket? Maybe there's multiple ones. I got to one spot where as you're walking along, you might feel like inspired to kind of like jump down to the next level, but it's much further than you thought. So they have this kind of soft carpeting there in case anyone did that. But I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to jump there because it's, obviously it's higher than I thought it would be I go that's why they put that carpeting there so I'm like I I walk all around I'm like I don't see this guy at all you know and I know he's kind of eccentric and kind of weird and kind of like a rich guy so I called my contact and they're like yeah you know he has his whole security team with him he's uh you know very apprehensive he has other advisors besides you, but he really wants you. And he's getting very nervous because he, he can't find you. I'm like, I know, but I'm here. I'm here at the theme park. There's, is there, is there's another one. So I was in... I think I couldn't get good reception on my phone. I'm like, okay, l- listen, let me go outside and let me see if I can get better reception. So um. somehow it's almost like a maze in there. Somehow I I, I went through corridors and went upstairs and I, I found an exit that went out to like this lawn and uh, right inside uh, this, this vestibule was Paul McCartney who I had uh, been talking to earlier. I kind of knew Paul McCartney and I, and I, as I'm on the phone, I'm like, Oh, oh Hey Paul. He's like, Oh, hello. And uh, I'm like, yeah, that's like, uh, so he started walking next to me as I'm talking to this guy. So, so where are they? Like they, I'm like, yeah, Paul, this guy, I'm going to kind of teach him how to ride a roller coaster. Oh, really? Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, I just can't find him. Like, listen, this guy, he's like, he has, you know, his entire, they, they said his entire security team is with him at this point. All right. And he is really nervous and paranoid. So, you know, he could sue you at this point for not, for not showing up. Um, you know, he's very rich and very eccentric. And, uh, you know, if you don't help him ride these roller coasters, you know, you, you could be in big trouble. And I was, Paul kind of overheard. I'm like, you know, Paul, he's, he's saying he's going to sue me. He has a security team. He's like, oh, man, what's going on with that, Frank? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I got to find this guy. <laughs> I don't know, man. And then I woke up. Yes, that was my dream a few minutes ago. Yeah. What is the, uh, what time is it here? It's dark. I'm in the basement. 6.23 a.m. Thursday, February 16th. 2023, yes. Yeah, it was a wild dream. Yeah, I, and I know there was more. I'm I'm glad I could remember this much. Uh, but Paul McCartney, and it was the current Paul McCartney, you know, whatever, you know, the current old fake Paul McCartney, depending on your view on the whole Paul is dead thing. But it's so, oh, I knew him. Or there was an earlier part of the dream that I had completely kind of forgotten where I was like, hanging out with Paul McCartney at the supermarket i don't know trying to think yeah so the escalator situation it was weird it was like uh going up there were these various landings and um uh, but very thin the escalators were very thin like only like a foot wide or something it's very and then it was sort of like a side way to go up next to these other maybe stairs and stuff it was wild and then just the idea, like, the thought that struck me, like, once you went up the escalators, there was just this huge interior space. That there was, like, nothing really there, no businesses or anything. But then in certain parts, there'd be, like, a theme park or a bowling alley or something. And on the approach towards those, those features, because there'd be foot traffic, like, people would open restaurants and stuff. That, 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 and I was thinking about that in the dream. And there was something with a restaurant I went into, but I can't really remember. There was some, something specific. But, yeah, the indoor theme park was pretty well rendered. It was it was big, and, again, there were, like, it was, like, jungle-themed. There were vines and huge structures, and I was sort of jumping around. What kind of person was I? I was, like, a roller, co- roller coaster consultant. <laughs> and I was thinking, of, like, yes, you know, I'm going to really just, I, like, I knew that I'd be really good at sort of, like, you know, listen, roller coasters represent our fears. And, you know, I, I had this whole like rap that I was going to do. And, you know, roller coasters represent the primal th- rush of energy and, you know, the physicality of existence. Like I, I had this whole thing I was going to say to the guy, you know, <laughs> this like weird, like he was some sort of like weird, like eccentric billionaire that never rode on roller coasters, had sort of this huge fear of roller coasters. So, of course, decided to go to an, a weird indoor theme park at a supermarket to, to to for his first roller coaster experience. He couldn't find any better theme park to go to, being that he was a billionaire. Yeah, maybe he was impressed that I was friends with Paul McCartney. That's why he. Uh, yeah. A very amusing dream. You know, I I I went through a phase recently where I kind of didn't remember any dreams for a while, but now I'm sort of getting more more dreams. I like it. But yeah, the dream sort of ended it. It was it almost felt like the exterior almost like of a school or something. That it was sort of like a, those, um, you know, like a, if you had like at a school, like a stairwell, and then the doors that open, you know, the, you push the bar, you open it, and then there's a little bit of a concrete sidewalk thing just right outside the doors, and then it's just like a grass lawn, a, a, a mowed lawn. That's where I was walking with Paul McCartney, and it was... uh it was daytime, and it was uh, maybe a bit overcast, and I was walking out, just kind of you know, like around the phone. I was just walking, hope, hoping to get some better reception. Just walking across the lawn with Paul McCartney by my side. Yes, yeah, it's a good one. I appreciate good dreams like that, you know. Even though the roller, co- I wouldn't have been cool to have the roller coaster thing in the dream. I don't know if I've ever had roller uh, riding, riding a roller coaster in a dream. I will say I'm surprised the phone actually worked. I they, in the dream it didn't really make a big deal. Like I don't really remember. I just remember sort of oh I got to make a phone call and putting it up to my ear and talking to the person. I don't remember like using the phone because usually telephones malfunction in dreams. So in this case there was it just glossed over the dialing part and I just put it up to my ear and I was holding it up to my right ear I think talking. Yeah. And when I was walking, Paul McCartney was to my right, just to get very specific, yeah. And I think he was slightly taller than me, which I don't know if it would be that way in real life, I don't think so. But he was taller than me in the dream, yeah. And I think there was more, I think I was walking around the supermarket more, there was more, yeah, there was a lot more going on, yeah. Dreams, man—one of the more mysterious aspects of our life on Earth. What is the explanation behind it? We almost have this built-in virtual reality system inside our head. Well, I know I got the answer once in a lucid, one of my rare lucid dreams. That it. It's like, do you really want to know? Yes, I want to know. What are dreams? An entertainment system for the prisoners. That's what they, that's what the entity said in the dream in my lucid dream about what dreams are. But anyway, that was in Texas a number of years ago. No. <laughs> for some reason, I'm playing the Bally Astrocade. This game, Space Fortress. This is some game. Oh my god! I just got a. That's the biggest explosion in any video game. Wow. Space Fortress. Intensity. Nine. Here we go. This game is insane. It's based on Space Zap. Basically, you have this square Space Fortress in the middle. And uh, moving the joystick up, down, left, or right moves your cannon in that position. Then you got to fire with the, the button to protect your base from these spaceships appearing. And it's just like this endless... Ah! No! I like this game, it's insane! It's based on Space Zap, a fairly obscure arcade game, but. No! Oh my god, this is amazing! Ah! I didn't- I didn't- re- I didn't- never experience intensity level 9 before, no! Ah! No! No! Wow, this is craziness! Very cool game, though. Very stressful. I never had the Bally Astrocade. It's one of the more obscure, uh, vague video game systems from back in the day. You know, I didn't really—I didn't even know anyone that had it. You know, it was—it was sort of like it was sort of a computer. It was sort of a video game system. Had all different names. You know, ah, <laughs> here's the big explosion. Nice. This is quite a game. <laughs> Explosion just keeps going and going. <laughs> what the hell? This is wild game over, man. Alright, let's try one more time. Some space fortress. Alright, let's go. Is there can you is it nine the highest intensity? I think it is. Here we go. Can you go for a high score? Yeah. I'm playing this on Mame, by the way. You know, I got my uh, Pleasure Dome download before they shut down. I mean, it was probably about a year before they shut down. I think those torrents are still out there. I haven't really tried to update it. Maybe I should try to. It's like what? It's over a terabyte of stuff you got to download. But maybe I should try to download it again if it's still if they're still going to update this. Ah, because it's pretty much every video game ever, you know. Which is kind of cool to have every video game ever on your comput- computer. No! Oh my god, this is insane. Up till around 2000 or so, you know. Not the more recent games, but... Ah, come on! I'm doing good. Oh no, I died! <laughs> this explosion. It's wild. The space Zap, man. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Where well, are some more good games for that? Yeah, I found a webpage about the Bally Astrocade. Oh, Space Fortress is from 81. Okay. Let me see. This is a list. They put that number three. The number two is Galactic Invasion, which is their version of uh, Galaxian. And then Incredible Wizard, which is their version of uh, Wizard of War. I guess they had this concept of changing the name of everything. Let's try Galactic Invasion from 81. I mean, uh, let's see. Galactic Invasion. There it is. But they also have Galaxian. That's weird. Skill level, one. Number of bases, one. You had to enter all these numbers at first. (coughs) See, it's a horizontal screen, so the aliens are much closer to you than a regular Galaxian. Game over. Oh, okay. I only had one. All right. But let's see how that differs from actual Galaxian. It's probably going to be the same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing. I don't know why they had to change the names. I know there's some explanation somewhere. Game over. Okay. And the number one game, The Incredible Wizard. Their version of Wizard of War. I know I've talked about Wizard of War before on the show. Didn't I talk about the Incredible Wizard as well? I think so. Let's see how this goes. Easy, medium, or hard? Let's go easy. They took out. There's no voice though. They didn't have that on the home system. Mind me, the Wizard of War. All right. It's kind of a cool. You're in it. You're. A yellow spaceman in a maze shooting monsters. I just got killed. You have a radar screen. You know I always felt with this game, it felt like it had such... It suggested such potential, but it never really... The gameplay and it never really lived up to it, you know. Uh, it's hard to describe, but it just sort of felt like you're a, a, spe- a yellow spaceman in a maze, and it felt like there could be more stuff going on. You know what I mean? Maybe, Maybe I don't even know what I mean. <laughs> But you see what I'm saying, right? I almost felt there's something about just walking around in a maze in a video game that there's something, there's some more potentiality, like there's something more that could go on in there. I'm not sure what the hell's supposed to go on in the maze, but... (laughs) All right, I'm not really digging this at the moment, but I guess we could try the, uh, (coughs) the original Wizard of War to hear the voice, right? From Dave Nutting Associates? Yes. What a nutty guy, Dave Nutting. Dave Nutting is nutting all over the video game industry. Insert coin. Ta
1: ta ta
0: Wow, this it looks different than I remember. (laughs) That's weird. Why does Wizard of War look different than I remember? Oh yeah, and it's a two-player game, but you can shoot the person you're playing with too. You can choose to cooperate or kill your your uh, companion. Why does this look? It's just weird. Slightly different than I remember, but. Like the monsters seem thinner. What? What is he saying? Your bones will lie in a content of war. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? And here's here's a version with the uh, <coughs> the German language. Let's see German Wizard of War. Uh, what?
1: Sounds
0: like some weird alien language. It doesn't even sound like German. Space madness, what is going on? I kill blue spaceman. You're supposed to kill them or save them? I don't know. Then the, the the red alien turns invisible, it's very frightening. You can only see them on the radar screen. Yeah, that's one of the gimmicks of the game. What am I doing? I'm spending the morning in space. I don't know. I always, again, I always... ...like the idea of this game, but it just... Yeah, whatever. You know, I already said that whole thing. Oh my god, the weird, the human fly that just goes so fast. What happened? I'm in Germany in space. I'M IN SPACE GERMANY! WHAT THE HELL? NO! I have to get out of space Germany. No. No. It's like a fever dream of space Germany. Ah!
1: I died. <laughs> what is this?
0: What is this? Off die Platze. You're dead. Very dramatic video game, wow. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see what other games Dave Nutting did. Let's see Dave Nutting. Flicker Gunfight. This is since the seventies. Two hundred eighties app, Seawolf, Tornado, Boot Hill, Checkmate, Desert Gun, Sea Wolf Extra Bases, and then Wizard of War. And then the adventures of Robbie Roto. I remember this game um, was released for free. Remember, it's like it—it it was something that was released for free. Um, yeah, <coughs> it's sort of—it's <coughs> this little guy, this red guy who who digs. It's, it's sort of like a night nightmarish version of Dig Dug. And then he gets carried away by a pterodactyl. You have to dig to find these sad faces, but then they they become smiley faces because Robbie Roto rescued them. And you get killed by a spider and taken away by a pteranodon. Great. No wonder they give this game away for free. This game sucks, okay? What is up with this game? Run through the Runs through monsters, goes through a locked door, touches the dreaded... Mouth and... What? What is going on with this Dave Nutting guy? What a nutty guy. Alright, I'll get the key. Great, the one game they give away for free is like no one wants to play it, you know? Oh, I pressed the button and there's some sort of energy. Can I just leave? There's an exit here. Let me just get out of here. There's so many spiders, I can just leave. Okay. No, they put me back! No, I wanted to get out of there! <laughs> uh oh, the pterodactyl is here. No, it, now it turned into a demonic imp. Very nutty game. I don't know if I really spent much time playing Robbie Roto over the years. <laughs> I don't ever remember seeing this in the arcade, ever. That's what he has, like, a mining hat on. He's really like a red Pac-Man. <coughs> with a, with a, a, a yellow mining hat on. Right, I'm tired of this game already. Get out of here! And uh, look, he also worked on Gorf, which is a a game that uh, I played, right? I played Gorf just on last episode at that arcade, the Marcade, which does also include a Galaxian scene. That's interesting. And he worked on Baby Pac-Man, which we also played. Wow, I also played Baby Pac-Man at Marcade. Wow. Only a few more here from 82 Demons and Dragons Prototype. Professor Pac-Man, which is a... uh, a weird puzzle, like a like quiz game, and then 10 pin deluxe. Let me see if Demons and Dragons ever check this one out. When well, then, what happened to Dave Nutting a long time ago? It's like a weird little goblin with a torch. Bally Midway presents <laughs> Demons and Dragons. Copyright 1982. Bally wit- Mally Midway Manuf- Oh, I think I've seen this game before. No sound. That's not going to help us here on a sound-based episode. The princess is captured by the monster, and the the key. Oh yes, yes, right. Th- that's the wizard. I the the wizard picture I I used on one of my show arts. Remember that? Um, I forget the name of the episode, but I used that the picture of that wizard. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's kind of sort of a Robotron-like kind of yeah, whatever. I no, it's not a good game. Professor Pac-Man is always, yeah, it's weird. It has, like, these weird logic puzzles and stuff. It feels very dreamlike. Yet, yeah, and it draws these these patterns on the screen. Kind of like, you know, like you, you, you would create these patterns on in BASIC as, as some of your first uh, programs you ever did. That's kind of cool looking. <laughs> very unique game. I don't think I ever saw this one out in the wild either. This is very rare. Answer buttons... answer questions with the buttons. Yeah, okay. I guess Midway had the, uh, Pac-Man license from Namco, and they just were making these bizarre games, you know. Get ready to answer questions. Which is the completed figure? What the hell? It's like... It's like some weird logic puzzle, like... <laughs> the hell? Okay. Alright, you have to really think with this game. It's not like just a reaction game like Space Fortress. Which is the mirror image of this pair of glasses? What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? They all look the same. <coughs> no. This nutting, is a, this, this nutting is a very cruel uh, teacher. Oh, there's, there's, the, there's the Pac-Man schoolhouse. Demented music. The sun is going down. Some geese are flying by. Just Professor Pac Man in in, in silhouette. Alright, I gotta be able to win this game. Come on! And then what happened after 82? Dave Nutting Associates, like, went out of business? What is this question? There's a picture of an island, a bow tie. Which one does not belong? Uh. An island. (laughs) Why? I don't know. This game makes no sense. Well done, people. One. Examine this next city scene. It's a furniture store, a food store, an arcade. Which building has the most windows? A. Jeez. And some taxicabs are driving by now. I forgot. I forgot how elaborate this game was. Hmm. Let's see what's next here. Which is the same flock of birds. Oh my God! It's really ah a. Try again, B. The little birdies are flying around. This <laughs> is a very dream, very nightmarish game.
2: <laughs>
0: Complete the progression. There's <laughs> a dump truck. Oh, the sand was dumped out. <coughs> this is some game. I'm doing good though. This is, I think is my best game of Professor Pac-Man ever. How many intersections are there? Uh two? This is like this is like mensa level. This game is like a mensa test. Geez. But Bo- I got a bonus question. Study these hand Oh my god, there's these weird hands. There's five different hands. I have no idea what these with how many hands were left handed, I just guessed. This is like a game for super geniuses. Oh, bat is to ball as foot is to football. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. This number is <laughs> 03220. What? <laughs> like each question has, has its own like animations and graphics. Okay, there's a bunch of hats. How many police hats? What is going on, How did I get in, how did I get started with all this? Okay, here are a bunch of women juggling. Five women juggling. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten women juggling. Okay, okay, all right. How many red balls did you count? Ten. Ah, this is so like, insane. Last question. Which is the next in this progression? Uh uh B. <laughs> What's going on? Why did this guy stop? He's 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 like the mad genius of video games. Here's a telephone 0740617. 07406 uh this. Wow, I'm doing good. No. What's going on? I thought the game was over. These Study these figures.
2: Oh, God.
0: Somehow I'm doing good. Here's my bonus question. Pupil 1. From the left to right, which sequence of operations would arrive at the given result? Uh... I I I don't know what 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 Sorry <laughs> how many cubes are in this structure Oh my god 32 No 20, 20 It's impossible I I could hit pause but that that goes against All right monkeys 6 monkeys Okay Weird orangutan, chimpanzee type mo- type apes. Which scissor is the same? I don't know which scissor is the same. Oh, I can enter my initials now. Okay. Okay. I'm, I have high score number three. I'll put <coughs> STT for sneaky TT. That's what I usually enter these days. A long time ago, I used to do F-O-W for Forge of Wander. Or my initials, F-E-N. Lowercase letters, interesting. I don't know if I'm going to be playing this again. It's quite a, I've been playing some very stressful games this morning. Game over, man. Yeah. 1983. So there's one more game here from 83. 10-pin deluxe, but they're saying it doesn't work. I'm not sure. Maybe it wasn't even a, um, a video game. Warning, battery backed up, RAM reset, special operator parameters reset. All right, let's try to reload this. Well, they say it doesn't work, so I mean... All right, that doesn't work. So let's see what happened with Dave Nutting Associates. Like what? Obviously he was working with Midway. Nutting Associates was an arcade game manufacturer based in Mountain View, California, incorporated in February 1967 by William Gilbert Nutting. In 1977 the game the company was purchased by William C. Cy Reed and eventually absorbed into the company coma. What? History. Bill Nutting was working as a buyer at a San Francisco department store when his father-in-law, Revere Ware... <laughs> what? Oh, no, sorry. Revere Ware Executive Herbert... I thought his name was Revere Ware. Revere Ware Executive Herbert Ullman alerted him to an educational technology company called EDX Teaching Systems looking for investors. Nutting became a partner in the company, which created a coin-operated... Trivia game called the Knowledge Computer in 1964? What? That's kind of early for an arcade video game. Nutting marketed the machine for Edex and bought the rights to it after Edex was purchased by Raytheon in 1965. In January 1966, he founded Nutting Associates to market Knowledge Computer and a redesigned version of the device called Computer Quiz, 1967, created by Richard Ball of Marketing Services. In 1968, the model was redesigned into a solid-state version. In 1971, Nolan Bushnell sold Nutting Associates on manufacturing the game Computer Space in 1971. About 1,500 units were manufactured. Afterwards, Bushnell wanted a large ownership stake in the company to continue creating games for Nutting Associates, but left after not being given that opportunity to form Atari Inc. with Ted Dabney. Wow! This guy was right at the heart of video game history. Nutting Associates continued manufacturing video games up until 1977, when the company was sold to Cy Reed. Cy red, I'm sorry, Cy Red, S I Cy Red, C Red. Oh, he's seeing red. His name is C Red. Oh, maybe that's why he's called C Red. You know, when someone's angry, they're seeing red. A new Nutting Associates company was established in Nevada. Sorry, Nevada, before being absorbed into the larger company, Sarcoma, a video poker manufacturer. Oh, okay, okay. This is getting confusing. And <clears throat> Nutting's brother, Dave Nutting, also worked in the video game industry. He formed Dave Nutting Associates, a consulting firm that produced many of Midway's games during the seventies and early eighties. So okay, so I was talking about Bill Nutting This is Dave Nutting Oh my god It's so confusing Dave Nutting Okay here we go And he lived all the way till 2020 Um, Let me just skip ahead here Bally later purchased Dave Nutting Associates With Dave Nutting Retaining the head position Other video games Produced by the company Include Seawolf Ballypin Wizard of War Robbie Roto Baby Pac-Man And Gorf Valley closed Dave Nutting Associates following the video game crash of 1983. Okay. After his involvement with arcade video games, Dave Nutting continued in engineering. He wrote two books, Language of Nature, Quantum World Revealed, 2005, Dealing with Quantum Mechanics, and Secrets of a Creative Mind, 2012, a creative motivational book. Nutting died at his home in Green Valley, Arizona on September 23, 2020. Great. What is going on this morning? Yeah, some wild stuff, definitely. In other news, I randomly came upon a story about the new Lana Del Rey single that was just released. A&W, kind of like the root beer. A seven-minute epic about being an American whore. Yeah, I have to say that, I mean, I've heard of Lana Del Rey and as soon as i have ever listened to any of her music the her, her voice just turns me off there's like this singing style that it just sounds really phony and this song though a and w it's I, I like i like long songs like that and uh i really i think this song for people that are younger will seem extremely important it's, like, it's sort of like, a, I just think this is going to be like the stairway to heaven for like the, the, the Gen Zero generation, or the Gen Z generation. But it's hard, having heard so much other music, to really embrace it. But I think this is going to be a, a very important song for a lot of people, and it just came out recently. When did it come out? Let's see. You, you know, you'll know this, one day ago, so yesterday it came out. I like the title of the new album she's releasing. The title of the album is Did You Know That There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard? Sounds like a title I would come up with! <coughs> I just want to get to the part... You know, that, that singing style it kind of turns me off. Right? It just seems like someone singing that way is putting on, like, a, doing like a fake voice, you know? But then the song gets kind of interesting later on. Like Jimmy Jimmy Cocoa Puff or something. Jimmy Jimmy Cocoa Puff. There's the Jimmy Jimmy Cocoa Puff part. Living
3: you my me when you wanna get Jimmy Hold on, yeah,
4: here, here it is.
0: Kind of good beats, though, right? A&W Root Beer, man. I wish, I wish it was a song about root beer. Imagine all the root beer fans, like, finally a song about root beer, and here she's talking about Cocoa Puffs. What the hell is wrong with her? It's root beer, not Puffs, Lana. It's It's root beer, not Cocoa Puffs, Lana. enough of that <laughs> but I understand I, I could tell that this song feels somewhat substantial and that again having heard so much more music than someone that is younger it, it doesn't really I, I can't take it as seriously but I, I do think it's a good song and I do think for a lot of people it's going to be like the stairway to heaven of their generation what have yes anyway some sad news the uh, upcoming uh, Three Weasels adventure has been postponed. Yes, uh, two days from now, Saturday, we were going to get together. The Three Weasels, we haven't been together for a while, me and Peter and Brian, but uh, Peter has a really bad cold, and so we had to postpone. As I have postponed uh, another time because I had a really bad cold. So hopefully we'll, we will we uh, reschedule within a few weeks. Uh, we do need to get together. Because it's been too long, it's been way too long, but I'm sure it will happen soon. but yeah, these colds these days since this pandemic, everyone's wearing the masks and isolating and the the social distancing and all that all that jazz, remember all that so I did not get a cold for a couple of years when I finally got one. it hit hard, and it, it was and it took a much it was much more severe than a regular cold normally I would get a couple of colds a year just in normal uh, daily activity the daily routine you get a cold it's not pleasant but it's not really you know that bad I guess but when you don't get a cold for a couple of years your body starts to forget about these cold this, the, the cold uh, whatever that's also a coronavirus but a different coronavirus so yeah if, uh, Peter uh, you know because he had the heart transplant and um, <clears throat> I didn't know he had a cold but it's tough you know because it's very dangerous because he has, he has that health condition but he seems to be all right, other than that. But he's trying to get over this cold, so we'll see. In a few weeks, hopefully, we'll get together once again. Anyway, I have an idea now. You know, like it's—I'm calling it a shadow box, but it's not really a shadow box. But you know, there's a kind of—you uh, can create like a—it's like a piece of art almost, and it's—it's it's inside a frame. But there's all these sections with like wood. Boards between them, and you can just put different objects in there. You know what I'm saying? I don't know exactly what to call it, but I think a shadow box is one way of calling it. But because I realize, like, in my garage and stuff, I have so much of the objects from my past, cool little objects. I think it would be cool to get, like, like some sort of a huge shadow box to put on the wall and choose objects from my life to put in there. Right? Like old action figures and toys and cards and things, you know what I mean? I've been wanting to do that for a couple of years, but I haven't done it yet. I think that'd be really cool. Um But I have to really that that I have to figure out first about like where do you get like a giant shadow box thing. I guess I could build it. But I don't I don't feel like doing like carpentry work or anything. I just I wanna like buy one or something. Well let me look. Like uh <clears throat> shadow shadow box wall art shadow box frame shadow box frame that's what it is shadow box frame and then you need like partitions maybe partitions partitions yeah yeah this' is exactly what I need shadow box with, with partitions but I need I need a big one I guess I gotta buy multiple ones this is exactly what I need look at this shadow what do they call it rustic wood floating shelves freestanding shadow box shadow box yeah oh here here's one where people put little figurines of um what's that guy's name the, the the blue alien i thought it was they were smurfs at first but it's um lilo and stitch i guess stitch is is the alien yeah see if you were a certain age when these things came out. Yes, look at this. This is this is exactly what I want. Oh this is for shot glasses though. So people that were a certain age when Lilo and Lilo and Stitch came out a long time ago, right? Yeah. See I was just too old when something like that came out. I can't really embrace it. Alright, yeah, that looks good though. The giant yeah, yeah. Oh here is an adjustable one. Cook book people multi keep adjustable shelf, spice rack, floating shelf, figurine. Shelf, shadow. Yes. Okay. This is adjustable, too. I don't know. This seems like a lot of work. <laughs> do I really want to do this? But it would be cool. I think I, I, I'm i just visualizing all of the, 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 the objects that I have in my garage in various boxes. Like there's one little robot toy that was in a drawer in my parents' kitchen for years, and then I, I took it, and I have it in there somewhere. That would be good for the shadow box. All right. I'll put it on the list of stuff I want to do. <laughs> yeah. Here's uh, some sad news. Ramen Hero is shutting down. This is a ramen home delivery service that I reviewed a couple years ago. When did I when did I review it? Let me let me let me see when I reviewed Ramen Hero. It was good, but it was too expensive and it was too much work. And I didn't I never bought it again. Let's see. Wait a minute. Are you kidding? Wait, hold 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 on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, okay, okay. Wait a minute. Because I just saw this. I just saw this. Alright, I'm confused now because. Alright, just to take a step back. Uh, I was thinking about this idea for a puppet show, and um, there's a lot going on this morning. Now, come on. (laughs) That weird dream, meeting Paul McCartney in Dreamland, another puppet show. So the puppet show idea is going back to the idea of when the metaverse starts to really get big, every website will be well served to create a three-dimensional space for itself, right? So I've been thinking about the location for the overnightscape Underground in the Metaverse. And one of the things I did to consider, I mean, I think my current thinking on it is that it should be of a uh, designed as if it could be built in the real world or be sort of in the s- same size as a store in a shopping mall or a strip mall and feature, um, you know, sort of stuff that could be built in the real world, potentially. I know in the virtual world, disguise the, the limit in terms of what you can create, but I think that limiting yourself can really, in some cases, lead to a, a more elegant design or a more robust design in some ways. But one of the aspects I thought I would really want is a puppet show in the wall because, right, some of my... Uh, ideas for the night station location which was a similar idea a store in a mall there would be a um, kind of in one wall sort of a recessed like a like a puppet theater and different puppet shows would go on either by done by people or audio animatronics or whatever so i'd really like to do that and i think that um, i've always you know one of one of my aspirations here on the Overnight Escape underground has been ramp fiction an idea, a new kind of storytelling, which is just uh, done sort of off the cuff, similar to frivels, but different. And uh, there was a frivel that I did a while back called "Mason and Weed and the Puppets of the Van." Right. And so that really, so in terms of the um, the content of the puppet show, that came to mind. So I searched for the puppets of the van. And this show came up with The Ramen Hero. I didn't even realize that I had it on my list. Yeah. Uh, Overnightscape 1703, TV game show puppets, March 15th, 2020. So I was talking about puppets, but different puppets. The puppets that were on game shows like Madam or Willie Tyler and Lester or whatever that bird one was. You know, like TV game show puppets. Anyway, so I actually... So, the, I so that's so weird. The, I saw the same result come up because the word, it's the hippie van flavor of Ramen Hero, and the title of the show was TV Game Show Puppets, so Puppets and Vans came up. Wow. Whew. But, uh, I also talked about Ramen Hero, oh, on Guargum Opera. Wow, that's another synchronicity because that was Overnightscape 1701 from uh, May 8th, 2020. But I used the phrase audio leisure system on the show art. I always loved that. guargum opera. I thought that was a really great title. But I I used audio leisure system on today's show art as well. Inspired by that. I think I did another one recently too. Uh, anyway. Well, where was the actual <clears throat> puppets of the van? But anyway, in, that, in this case, mason Weed was a wizard, and he had this van, and he was in the, like, the 1970s. Oh, wait. No. Yeah, that, it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> Why is it making that noise? It doesn't make any sense. Oh, come on. <sighs> Hold on a second. Sorry. I think I paused there for a minute. Where, what did I say last? Hold on. So it was uh, the Overnightscape 1797, Pat's Hotline Try... April April 9th, 2021, where I talked about Amazing Weed and the puppets of the van. And it was a, a frivol about uh, a puppet theater. So it was completely f- it's fiction about a puppet theater that started out in a van with, with the puppet shows about this wizard, but then the van itself became part of it, right? So it's this, it's this wizard in this kind of 70s van with a cast of characters that goes on all these different adventures. I could re-listen to it, I suppose, too. Uh, refresh my memory, but the idea is that when you go to, right right now when you go to com, for example, that's our website, but in the future you're going to go to our our space, right? Which would be sized in a way to be, you know, a location that could, could be built in the real world. Not that it's necessarily going to be. But one aspect would be that there is a puppet show in the wall about this wizard and this van and stuff. And I was thinking about that and um, how we could use that as the basis for some RAM fiction and create different storylines for the puppets in the van. That's just what I was thinking about this morning, among other things. And uh, Anyway, so that's so weird that I saw the Ramen Hero. Uh, Yeah, there's there's, there's a lot. There's obviously something in the air today. Anyway, let's take a look because I saved the post on Facebook. This Ramen Hero is shutting down. I suppose I didn't help any. I, I stopped ordering it because I, I thought it was not a great uh, product. I mean, it was it was okay. Again, it was just too expensive and too hard to to make to really go go through with it anymore. Here we go. Ramen Hero. This is also yesterday, the same day that Lana Del Rey's A&W came out. A lot happened yesterday. Dear Ramen Hero customers, and they have their like weird blue volcano character as their or maybe it's the, maybe it's a Mount Kilimanjaro or Fuji or probably Fuji, not Kilimanjaro. <laughs> Dear Ramen Hero customers, hello. This is Hero from Ramen Hero. So it's the it's their cartoon mascot speaking. Okay. We regret to inform you that Ramen Hero will be shutting down as of today. Last summer, one of our key partners in our supply chain suddenly shut down and it became difficult for us to continue manufacturing our products. We tried our best to find a new partner, but challenging economic conditions have made it impossible to maintain our business, and we are forced to make this difficult decision. Many of our customers have asked when we would be restocking our products, and we are sorry we have not been able to provide them to you. At the same time, we are very grateful for your patience. Ramen Hero started as a California-only meal delivery service in 2017 to make authentic, delicious ramen accessible to everyone who loves ramen and has since grown to serve the entire United States. We are also delighted to see warm comments from our customers as well as photos and videos of you enjoying our ramen. All of this has been possible because of your support. Thank you again for supporting Ramen Hero for the past six years. We wish you... You all the best and hope to see you again. Ramen Hero founder, Hero Hasegawa. Oh, he, so I thought Hero was the character, but he's actually a real person, and it's just an illustration of a, of a cartoon character. I got it. Okay. Anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, for, for people that still were re- rebuying it, you know, <laughs> people with a lot of money and a lot of time on their hands. To make ramen. I was not one of them, but I tried it a few times anyway at the hippie van. Yeah, so goodbye. Goodbye, uh, ramen hero. Anyway, in other news, I finally got Thanos in Marvel Snap. Marvel Snap is a uh, a video game where you, you have uh, cards based on all the Marvel superheroes. And you you have a quick card battle, usually only lasting a few minutes. It's a great game. I've been into it for a while now. But like all these mobile games, um, it's free. To, ooh, it's free to play, but they have many ways of parting you from your money. Um, the main way the game works is. Right, they give you a few cards to start with. This is a theme song from the game, um, and then you can. Um, what's the right way of saying this? As you play the game, you gain like experience points, and then as you gain experience points, you you can build up gold and credits. Right? There's two different, and this is this is. Let me turn this sound off. It's annoying me. Um, you can uh, build up gold and credits right and gold you can buy with real world money but you can't buy credits with real world world money and if you're not into video game, if these kind of games I, I, I know describing this it sounds very annoying and it is very annoying but it's the way people have found to psychologically uh, make the most money from people right they don't just charge money they have credits they have gold coins or sometimes it's crystals and they find that like, if they're saying, buy this cosmetic item for five dollars, people would be like, "F that! I'm not spending five dollars on that." But it's seven hundred crystals. Would you like to buy some crystals? Okay, here you can buy seven hundred crystals for five dollars, and people are like, "Oh my god, that's a great deal!" Like, even like it's it's really using psychology against people because it's the same amount of money, but if you buy. Money. If you're spending $5 to buy crystals and you're spending the crystals to buy... You see what I'm saying? They're tr- tricking people. But it's technically a free game. So if you can resist spending money, you can play the game absolutely free. But there's people that spend way too much money on it. They're known as whales. And they may spend thousands of dollars on a game like this, which is ridiculous. But some people have more mon- money than they know what to do with. So why not just buy some crystals in a video game or whatever? Anyway... Um, in this game, is you build up the uh, credits, you, um, you can use the credits, and then you need another kind of currency known as boosters. Right? You get boosters for each character. Once you have enough boosters and enough money, you can upgrade the card, like make the card shinier or animated or whatever. And each time you upgrade the card, you then go up this, this track, and occasionally you open a treasure chest where you get a new card, right? So it's this, this a way that you acquire the cards. Anyway, I know this sounds incredibly tedious. And it's and it, just that it's such a good game. I don't really mind having to manage this side of it. It's kind of fun, I guess. And I spend a little bit of money on it. Like, they have a every month they have a rewards track you can spend 10 or $15 on, whatever. That's actually kind of a lot of money. Have I really been spending that much on this game? But I'm having fun with it, so... Anyway, they introduced different pools of cards. There's Pool 1, Pool 2, Pool 3, Pool 4, and Pool 5. Okay. Now, you can eventually get all of Pools 1, 2, and 3 just by playing the game. But Pool 4 becomes incre- like massively harder to get. You could get a Pool 4 card, and I have, but like maybe once every couple months you get one of those cards. Pool 5, you might have to wait years before getting those cards. Or some people are lucky and get them on the track. Then they introduced this concept that they're going to be downgrading cards like from pool 5 to pool 4, from pool 4 to to pool 3. And they did that. So I I got all the pool 4 cards that went to pool 3. But there's two cards they're saying will never leave pool 4, Thanos and Galactus. And Thanos is looks like a really fun card because you can um you get the that uh power glove thing the guy has with the the power stones. Right, the gaunt- the Infinity Gauntlet, and it shuffles these cards into your deck, and so it costs six. So there's this other kind of currency called tokens. Just saying this out loud is ridiculous. That I'm like putting up with this crap, but there's this is other currency called tokens that you can use to buy c- cards. But tier five cards are cost six thousand tokens, which are you might get you you if you you might get a few hundred tokens a week. So it takes a long time to save them up. So, anyway, I've been resi- I had a f- I- you know, I've had the, the right number. I've had 6,000 or more tokens and Thanos in my store. But I haven't bought it. I've resisted. But finally, yesterday, I gave in and I bought Thanos. And it's been really fun playing with Thanos. I think Thanos is in a better place now as a card. Let's play a game with Thanos. I- I- I net decked this deck. I'm known as Pino from the top rope. I'm fighting Starlight. My other ride is an ant. All right, I got the Time Stone. Okay, I'm snapping, too! All right. See, the Quantum Tunnel is good for Thanos, because I can put all my, my Power Stones in the Quantum Tunnel, and then they'll swap out with another card in the deck. And I got the Mind Stone, you see what I'm saying? And if I can get all six stones, then I can have an 18 Power Thanos, if I have Thanos. Power Stone. Ooh, I got the Quinjet. Time Stone. I got the Reality Stone. Should I should I wreck Bar Sinister? I know people love Bar Sinister, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wreck. Mm, yeah, I'm gonna wreck Bar Sinister because I don't think Bar Sinister really helps me per se, but it might help the other player. Destroyed Bar Sinister with the Reality Stone. It became Weir Island. Ooh, Killmonger killed my reality stones, my power stones. Uh oh. I'm I always do worry about the Killmonger. Um. Ooh. Let's see. What do I have here? I, oh, I have a death that only costs one. Uh, I think I'm gonna do Magneto though. I'm gonna throw a Magneto down. It's 12 power right there. Pretty exciting. I usually play the game with the sound off. No morph. Got my arrow. Oh jeez. Avengers Compound. I really need more of these. Oh, this, this does not help me out. Uh, I guess I'll play my. Oh, I'll play Leech to ruin all their cards, yes. I got a cool variant of Leech. Jessica Jones! Alright, let's see what's going on. I'm not really doing well here. Uh. I don't know. Should I just... should I just do Shang-Chi? I don't know. I guess I'll just play death. I don't know what to do here. I'm just gonna play death over here. I have a really cool death. It's the the juvenile death, but all black and white with, uh, white sparkles. Did I do it? No! Oh, God, I lost. Bastard. Yeah, I didn't it wasn't a very good game. But anyway, I do like Thanos. And my and my my Infinity Stones. As much as I'm not a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I am a fan of this game. All right, let me turn the sound off again. Yeah, the sound is kind of overwhelming. I, I usually I almost never play with the sound on. Anyway, there you have it. I finally bought Thanos and I I I only have like 5100 50, credits at this point. So, I can't I can't buy another tier 5, but I could buy a tier 3. I'm gonna try to be. Uh, I'm gonna try to be disciplined and wait until there's something I really need. I mean, I kind of want Dazzler, but that she's tier five. She's definitely gonna go down to tier four at some point. All right, around the porch here, got a Grey Cliff cigar, and it is warm out here. Even though it's the middle of February, it's warm like like a beautiful spring day. Yesterday it was warm as well, around 70 degrees. What is it right now? Let's see, 66. Yeah. Um, These are all in Fahrenheit, of course. I know most of the world doesn't use it, but this is America. What do you want? (laughs) Um, Yeah, last night it was so warm. We hung out with our neighbors on their back patio. Uh, Really, really beautiful weather. The crews over there working on that house. They're flipping that house, rebuilding it. Mm. Quite a pleasant Thursday thus far. So I want to talk about the news lately, right? The news has gone crazy lately. Weird, weird stuff. What is going on, right? UFOs, AI, train crashes, and all sorts of things. Seemingly like straight out of a movie. This is like the start of a science fiction movie. But this is real news? I mean, so... I think it's this news cycle is like uh, the chat, GPT, and AI topics just has been big for a couple months. It seems like, as I've said several times, last year I got interested in the AI image generation and I, I used Mid for a while. Was really blown away by it, and then very quickly got almost like uh, disgusted by it. Not from any decision. It was at a very gut level. It was at a very um, intuitive level. I started to, like, not like the AI images. Um, so this next thing that came about, Chat GPT, which is apparently a big breakthrough in AI, artificial intelligence, um, capacity, this one is specifically, writing stuff, I've kind of avoided it because of my experience with MidJourney. It's sort of... Otherwise, I probably would have tried it out. But... Uh, that's been going for a while now. Now, of course, AI has been a big topic I've talked about, and I really don't know where this particular phase fits in with, you know, the singularity or artificial general intelligence, which is going to be a uh, geometric progression of capacity. So I'm not sure where we're at. I mean, it seems like this could go either way. Right now, it could either be a small ripple, or it could be the start of the huge change. Then we started getting the news of uh, Chinese spy balloons flying over the United States. Um, why do they need spy balloons? Doesn't everyone have spy satellites that they can sort of like zoom in and see what's going on? Like, why do they need spy balloons? I, I'm sure there's an answer to that. I don't know. But... This, the news came out, I guess someone saw the spy balloon and it alerted the media and then uh, <coughs> um, the U.S. military shot one down and I saw something, some senator had been in a briefing and said that the U.S. had been aware of these Chinese spy balloons and wasn't doing anything about them, but that because it became news they decided to shoot it down. Then Around the same time, there were other objects in the sky that were not spy balloons. They were something else. They, they were describing them as being shaped like octagons, ropes coming off of them, cylinders. It really sounds like interdimensional stuff to me, but weird interdimensional science fiction stuff. But they started shooting those down as well. Now, this comes on the, on the heels of, uh, I think it was 2021's uh, admission by the U.S. government and military that they have had numerous, innumerable uh, UFO sightings. They call them UAPs now. Instead of Unidentified Flying Object, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. You're never going to shake the term UFO. That's going to be the word. It's the word. You can't change it to UAP. It doesn't roll off the tongue like UFO does. Remember that song by Nina Hagen? UFOs are picking us up. UFOs are picking us up. No. That was a good song. Kind of similar to the blue oyster cult song. Come on, take me away, do Doo-doo-doo, do 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 do. As a guy who wants to get picked up by a UFO. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was on sixty minutes. The government finally admitted that there are these flying objects. They say they claim they don't know what they are, where they come from, but they have they have them on video. They showed them on video flying around in ways that no known human technology could possibly do. And that was met with a big yawn by all of society. I talked about it. I was like, this is is significant. But no one seemed to care. No one talked about it. It was not not a dinner table or coffee, uh, uh, office cooler conversation, water cooler conversation, nothing. Now the topic is back. So... It's confusing because it's, they're not balloons; they're something else. Now, meanwhile, you know, considering that the mainline UFO, the main UFOs they're seeing, have uh, seem to be possessed of such incredibly high technology that you'd, you'd assume whoever was had such technology would have a vast military superiority over us. That they, right, that with with such technologies, and that's just what we've seen. Um, we would have no chance using what we know of as our armaments would have no chance. So to me, at first, the idea of shooting down UFOs sounds very dangerous because they're there, they've been there for a long time, and yet they're not, like, making themselves that known, and they're not attacking us yet. Obviously, there's been endless conspiracy theories that the New World Order and the Illuminati are going to create a fake alien invasion, to create a one-world government. That's been a, an old chestnut in the conspiracy world for many years. Is that the right word, an old chestnut? Um, so I really haven't gotten the idea, why are they shooting them down? So this senator, I think it was that Senator McCarthy from the South somewhere. I'm from the South. Maybe it was Senator Claghorn. I'm from the South. That's a joke, son. Yes, do you know Senator Claghorn from the Fred Allen show? He was the template for Foghorn Leghorn, the cartoon character. Himself, now impossibly obscure, but you know what I'm saying! Do you know what I'm saying? Do I know what I'm saying? He said that, they said that these types of UFOs, objects that are way up super high in the sky, that are octagonal in shape, he's like they've known of them for a long, long time. Not really making clear if this is the same class of objects as the very fast-flying ones that they have showed video of on 60 Minutes. He's like, they've known about these for a long time, but they've only recently started shooting them down. So there's a great deal of confusion about this.
2: Uh,
0: Well, what are these things? They're not balloons, they're not the fast-flying UFOs, but platforms in the sky? Like, what? So apparently... The president of the United States in this timeline, Joe Biden, may be uh, addressing it. He may, he may be having a news conference today uh, talking about the UFOs. I always say the president in this timeline because I know probably in the regular timelines there's no, there's been no Trump or Biden. This is some exotic offshoot timeline. But that's where we are because it's probably more interesting than the other timelines, yeah. The whole interestingness thing I've been talking about lately as the purpose of, re- of this reality. Yeah. Anyway, then there's this trains derailing that have toxic chemicals in them, and I really only... See, I do not watch news on television. It's one of my rules. Personal rules. I do not watch news on television. I only read it on the internet. So I'm sure I haven't been getting the blanket coverage that I'm sure is on the TV news, but... It's just, this stems from uh, a week lounging depressed on the couch watching uh, 9-11 news coverage in the week following 9-11. Oh, one. Which, if you don't know what that is, because a lot of people listening probably don't know. I think a lot of young, there's a, a people who are now adults that were born after 9-11 who probably have, don't really know much about it. It was like the Twin Towers got blown up and other stuff. <laughs> in a nutshell. Um. <clears throat> I realized watching the footage of the planes going into the buildings over and over again like I, I, this is not it's not worth it to watch this news and it's just too brainwashy really anyway trains derailing in multiple sit- states uh, I know there's a big one in Ohio and they showed this map of like the, the toxic chemicals are blowing all the way up into like New York State and New England Luckily, they missed New Jersey so far. I guess the prevailing winds are in our favor here in Jersey. But don't you remember a little movie called *Close Encounters of the Third Kind*? Right, <clears throat> uh, from seventy-seven or seventy-eight. It's a good movie by Steven Spielberg. You know, dun, 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 dun. you know that whole thing—they were communicating with the aliens through music, music, the universal language, <laughs> right? <laughs> So hello, uh, someone walking his dog. He often comments on how good my cigars smell as he walks by with his dog. I do tend to smoke decent level cigars, you know, mid-tier cigars. Uh, probably I don't smoke crap. I like good cigars, damn it. These aren't the most expensive cigars, but they're mid-range, mid to upper range. Maybe mid-range. Anyway, if you remember in Close Encounters where the aliens came, right? Um, They ha- created a fake train derailment with a chemical leak, right? And didn't some family have, like, a, a, a canary in a birdcage, you know? you know? Remember that song? Canary in a coal mine. Was that the police? Canary in a coal mine. And didn't Devo do a cover version of that? So the idea was that in coal miners, which my, um, my great-grandfather was a coal miner, and my, my great, uh, great-great-uncle, great-great-grandfather and great-great-uncle were coal miners, and my great-great-uncle Frank got killed in the mines in a collapse. But there were also, if you're mining, you could cut open a seam of some sort of gas or something, natural gas, I don't know, that would kill you, right? But that's why they had canaries in a coal mine, because it would kill the canary first. So as you're mining, you would... Um, <clears throat> you'd bring this little canary in this little cage. And you'd get your pickaxe. You'd start... Did they really use pickaxes? I don't know. Probably. And you'd, you'd glance over at the canary every so often. and Feed it some bird seed or whatever. And if it's still alive, you're safe from the gas. Because it would kill it. Then if you see the canary, like, keeled over and died, you, like, run out of the mine as fast as possible. Drop everything. But remember, in the movie... There's these toxic gases and these people have a bird and so like the evil government agents, don't they like inject it with a poison to kill it? See, your, your canary died. So this real the, – the chemical spill from the train derailment is real. Meanwhile, they're trying to get everyone out of there because the aliens were about to land, right? <laughs> so now with all this talk of UFOs and train derailments and chemicals floating in the air, oh my god. It is all – this – as I said – when I was watching the fish show on New Year's Eve, as soon as it hit midnight, I felt this different feeling. Something had like all I can say this could all be in my imagine- my imagination, but I just as soon as it became midnight, I felt this other thing, this tone. You know, I often talk about um, psychic impressions. You know, and when it comes to psychicness, I would say that I have a bit of sensitivity. I'm certainly would be very low level, but I'm also not afraid to talk about it. I don't know. I think a lot of people would shrug it off, and people think I'm crazy if I have. I'm not saying anything specific. I just have these psychic impressions. I can sort of sense uh, information or the tone of something that's otherwise invisible around around us. I think many people can. I think everyone can at some level. To me, it's just part of my life, and I know other people have the same thing. But some people don't have it at all. But it's you know whatever it's, it's not is it it's just I'm just saying I've and I've continued to feel this different wild strange energy like something changed behind the scenes. However, this reality is generated. Whatever is behind here, whatever systems are supporting this reality, something changed. Uh, an energy, a tone, uh, a vibration. Something changed, and now all this weird stuff happening all this news. And again, we don't know how much of it's true, how much of it's fake news or whatever. Uh, It's just just getting weirder and weirder and weirder. And uh, I don't know quite what to make of it. As I've said in the past, when there's been uh, you know, I'm very interested in these topics, weird supernatural stuff, reality shifts, all these different things. Um, But I kinda when when things happen which incredible coincidences, synchronicities, or whatever, like I don't I don't I talk about it but I really wanna I don't really want to live in a world that has that. I, I, I love talking about it but I like the comfort of the normal quote unquote normal world. So this is getting a little disconcerting, you know. And I'm I'm most of the way through the second book in that series I talked about, um the book of the new sun by gene wolf comprised of uh, four novels so I finished the the first one shadow of the torture and then I'm towards the end of claw of the conciliator I can tell you I have never heard of these books in any way shape or form or the author gene wolf in any way shape or form before like last month or even yeah it was like last, last month or early this month it was just a few weeks ago I first heard about it, it came up in my news feed on the, on the Google News Feed thing on my phone. These books are utterly remarkable. The writing style is right up my alley. It is so well written, it's so dreamlike and amazing. I And I've talked about how in the I feel like maybe this particular series of books and this author didn't exist in the reality I was living in, but through some kind of shift or change in the past, Right, Our world changed and now these this books have now been introduced into this reality. I know the traditional explanation is that I just never I just happened to never hear of this guy or these books. It's something I would have heard about. I'm telling you it's something I would have heard of I've been, I've been researching investigating and very open to that topic and very interested in that topic of science fiction novels fantasy novels and things like that it just yes it's possible I never would have heard of it but it just fits into the scheme of all the weirdness that's been going on right that itself i feel almost rises to a level of getting me worried because like this is not proof but strong clues as to something weirds going on by the way this cigar is actually really good i think it's the great cliff anniversary good one anyway um i mean the it's just so incredibly good like at this point there And this place called the House Absolute, and there's this theater troupe, and there's, oh my God, it's like, it's utterly incredible. Check out this music they're playing. It's like Mexican music. I guess you can't really hear it too long. Some neighbors with the dogs over there. And then, of course, my uh, (coughs) observation that's really puzzling, especially when I was in Times Square, I just sort of offhandedly thought about the sweep of history, all the different changes in Times Square over the years, and if you were to watch sort of a time lapse from 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, 2020s, 2030s, 2040s, 2050s, right, how Times Square changes over time, Some where, in my mind, I just knew that, like, oh, well, this time Square and this entire reality is not part of that sequence. And when I think about it, I still, ha- I still have that feeling, that information in my mind. Now, of course, it could just be in my imagination or just a stray thought, but there's something about it that really resonates with me that it, there's something to that, right? That... <clears throat> maybe in some way the reality I'm living in is an offshoot and not part of the main history. And that does relate to an idea I've been developing, which is that this particular reality that we're in um, to the uh, its purpose, at least for some, and we're, we're sort of talking about I know our traditional view right now is that we are human beings that evolved on this planet in an undirected fashion, and we're on this ball planet orbiting the star Sol right in the solar system and all this other stuff. That's the traditional explanation. But I tend to view an alternate explanation as perhaps likely, which is that this world is constructed and that it's one of many, and there's many other intelligent and much more advanced and more powerful races that are involved in this whole situation, right? And that this place uh, is primitive in comparison, right? But it has this redeeming factor of being incredibly interesting that is, living from the perspective of a human being in these days, there's so much about life that is fascinating, interesting, diverting, fun, right? That it's... The, this place has been fostered and curated in a way to enhance that interestingness, right? And so the world is, in a way, an art project, right? It's That's its main purpose. That's its main value. Because otherwise, it's a very... It would otherwise be too similar to innumerable other worlds out there, and it wouldn't really have much of a purpose, right? It's pretty clear that humans, well, I wouldn't say it's pretty clear, but right. one idea I have is that the human beings that we are and that we know of are a genetically diminished variant of another species of intelligent humanoid. And we were changed through genetic engineering, for lack of a better term, um, to be much smaller, shorter-lived, less intelligent, less creative, less beautiful, etc. And that it would normally be considered disadvantageous to live in this way. But because of our origins as a, right, our origin species is much more advanced and we retain some of the um, capacities of our higher brethren, right, but we're living in this much more humble and Environment that the experience of living here has certain uh, tones and aspects which are unique that you can't get anywhere else, right? So you might imagine if you were one of these Anunnaki, for lack of a better term, one thing you can do, as you would be effectively immortal and have great capacities beyond anything we could really imagine, would be to incarnate here through whatever method I mean it could be actually projecting your consciousness into a human being there was actually a psychic woman what was her name I talked about her in the show in the past who said that there were people on spaceships this is how she described it higher beings on spaceships out in the universe and they volunteered to incarnate on earth as human beings and so they went into these chambers on their spaceship and sort of plugged in and zapped in and 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 sort of entered a you know a baby a human baby was being born and then they were they would live a human life without really knowing where they really came from, saying that there was a call for volunteers. What the hell the heck was her name? Oh, God, it's on the tip of my tongue. Something rocket? Like was she related to Charles Rocket? No. uh <coughs> Cannon Dolores Cannon, I think that's the name. Wow, she was a famous psychic, and there's videos online. And she's talking about this, and she said that these people on these spaceships were incarnating. There was a call for volunteers because <coughs> the human society on Earth was going to be going through this big change, and they wanted to have some extraterrestrial minds mixed in with the population to help with the transition. But she described it as people going into weird, like, chambers and plugging in. So people who, who are human here, their their original self is, like, on a spaceship, sort of in a dormant state as they operate the human. Right. But the idea is that this is something, perhaps the way she described it, you know, who knows if there's any truth to it, but it, it just sort of struck me that... As an Anunnaki, you can do this. You can somehow plug in. You can go into a chamber and you can plug in and become a human. And as difficult as it is, there's something about the experience that's so compelling. It's worth all of the confusion and the misery and everything else that comes along with human life to experience this world, right? So it only makes sense that some Anunnaki or other species would become very fond of this experience and not want it to end. It does seem, though, that this setup is very much dependent on um, the excitement and the wonder of continual advancement, right? That is, if if there was a planet Earth of humans and they're just living in primitive hunter-gatherer societies, can't imagine that would be all that much fun, right? But as it's developed are especially the explosion of culture and technology in the 20th century especially is so interesting. Right? And that's what makes it interesting is that we're, we're living through this sweep of history and everything's changing and it's very exciting. right? It can't just stay the same. It can't stay the same because it would get boring. It wouldn't be interesting anymore. But those advancements will inevitably lead to a circumstance where for example a vision of utopia that we that I am very interested in utopian visions that is through our technology we can create reshape our planet earth to be a much kinder gentler more wonderful kind of experience for people to live in but that would result in it being less interesting and Right? If you're going to live in a utopia, you may as well live in a better utopia than this one. So those two concepts are at odds. right? So like the idea that you need it to continue to be interesting, you need it to keep changing. But there's the changes that make things so cool and so interesting. If you imagine sort of an interestingness graph, right? the 20th century, for example, just spiked. And it was incredible. But, right, now the interestingness is sort of going down because we've reached a certain level of technology where it's making things less interesting. If it's improving people's lives and it is making a better world, it may be become more boring. So the challenge then becomes how do you keep this thing going and keep it interesting? And maybe it's been difficult to keep it going. That is there's a measure at some level of the interestingness of this world and the very thing that made it interesting, the advancements inevitably lead it to becoming less interesting. And so we may be seeing um, a manipulation of situations perhaps uh, the creation and branching of multiple versions of the world in order to Maintain that interestingness, and maybe it's getting harder and harder. And I think maybe what we're seeing now is this might be almost like a last-ditch attempt, as some sort of offshoot of this of this timeline, to maintain interestingness, but it's getting harder and harder, right? And uh, eventually, it will lead to um, once the world becomes too similar to other worlds that are out there, it really will lose its appeal, right? And I know there's a lot of aspects here. It sounds like creating multiple versions of this world and the people in this world and playing around with circumstances, creating a war here, war there. It sounds awfully cruel and unthinkable almost, you know. But if you get to the idea that Right. The previous theory of Dolores' canon kind of implies that most of the people here are regular humans, but some of them are coming in from another place. But what if everyone is coming in from another place? Right? It It becomes less morally objectionable if everyone is here for that purpose. I kind of suspect that might be the case. And so if it becomes less interesting, we all simply abandon it. We all simply... Unplug and step out of our chamber, and we're no longer here. So essentially, the, like you could imagine, actually very similar to the uh, Christian. What do they call that thing where? What's that word for it? Where, like everyone that's anointed by God disappears. What's the name? There's a name for that. Um, the hell is that? Let me think. It's the uh, not the accession or the ascension. No, it's. um, Oh, let me think what that is. It's on the tip of my tongue. Urgh. It's not the enlightenment. It's um and there's there's a whole genre of science fiction when this happens that people just disappear and that remember that TV show that was so good and then it kind of crashed out. What was that name of that TV show? With that guy. It was such a good TV show. The Leftovers, right? Where whatever like 2% of the people in the world just vanished. And this was the aftermath of that. Um, literally disappeared. Oh, I've got to think of the name of that Christian thing. Oh, God, what is it called? Uh, The Enlightenment. No, the... um. Let me pause and think of it. Rapture. Rapture. I, it, I, it didn't take me more than a second. Rapture is the name of this thing. Not the Blondie song, the phenomenon <laughs> of uh, people disappearing. But, I mean... What would happen if you were plugged in and then you just unplugged with the person you were would the person just fall into a coma or disappear or who I don't know how it would work. But if everyone. Right. Pulled out of this whole thing. It, it wouldn't it would really be like this world doesn't even exist anymore. Like no one's paying attention to it. If everyone was from outside. I know this is a very weird topic so maybe that already happened right it was great while it lasted and now there's this impression, this template and you can kind of plug in right you can plug into historical versions of it like you can be born in the 1920s or the 1950s or the 1980s and experience this world like it's already set but that these later dates like the 2023 um, maybe most of those involved with this thing avoid this time because this time is starting to become less interesting and right some of them would make an extraordinary effort to continue it on because right not say okay let's forget about this let's just go back to the past like to say no there is a way forward There are ways of steering this global society on Earth to maintain interestingness, right? So it may be an obscure side reality that we're in right now of trying to forge a way forward as a work of art, like you're artistically manipulating events or steering, right? Somehow, if you're able to sort of uh, look at the the scatter of multiple futures right to sort of scan those futures for possible interestingness and steer society towards it right steer the world towards it but then you'd expect right because you're sort of working against the natural flow that things would start getting very weird if you tried to do this and then this would not be part of the main history this would be a side history see what I'm saying this would make a great, a great TV show. <laughs> but as I'm describing it, the world is a TV show in, in a way anyway. Hmm. No, it's a real world. See, as much as I like theorizing about these things, I always, and this is very important to me, I realize that these are just ideas and that the mainline, mainstream explanation could be true and is probably true. This is just a planet. We evolved here and people have a lot great imagination and none of this is. And I kind of that option of it, all the things I'm saying being complete bullshit and completely not true is an important part of this whole thing because. Right. It's fun to think about, but it's not necessarily fun. Like if that was reality, that sounds kind of a drag you know he's put all his effort into finding various futures and creating offshoot timelines and oh my god anyway it it, it comes to mind anyway I paused just then and on my show notes I call this this portion of the talk interestingness in a cosmic sense yes let's move on shall we to another topic I finally got the answer to my question what happened to all the Amazon stores You know Amazon.com, the big online retailer. They had a bunch of stores. I remember they had bookstores in some airports, I think, and then also on Thirty Fourth Street there was an Amazon bookstore. And then they they opened Amazon Four Star in some several shopping malls, such as American Dream and Willowbrook near near me here, the Willowbrook Mall. And it was a store, a mall store, where all the products were rated four stars or higher on Amazon.com. It was a very cool store. It had a huge variety of, of products in there. And I always enjoyed stopping by. And then I noticed that they were gone <laughs> recently. And uh, I finally looked it up. And uh, here's the news story about that. What happened to the Amazon stores? This is a story from The Verge on March 2nd, 2022. Or a little less than a year ago. Amazon is closing all 68 of its books, four-star, and pop-up physical stores. The company is refocusing on grocery and fashion stores. Here's a picture of someone with an Amazon four-star bag. Opening day at the Amazon four-star brick-and-mortar store located in Soho in New York City. The cashless enterprise offers a variety of items that have been rated four stars or higher. And here's the story. Amazon is closing most of its physical stores, the company announced today, with all 68 of its Amazon Books, Amazon Four Star, and Amazon pop-up locations across the U.S. and U.K. set to close while the company refocuses on its grocery and fashion stores, Reuters reports. Amazon Books was one of the uh, primarily online storefront's first physical retail experiences when the first location opened in Seattle in 2015. Amazon has since expanded to 24 bookstores across the U.S., all of which are now slated to be closed down. The company would also go on to expand its retail efforts with Amazon 4 Star in 2018, with a more generally focused store that sold products with a 4-star or higher rated rating curated from Amazon's digital storefront, along with, of course, Amazon's own first-party products, including Echo, Kindle, and Fire TV devices. Amazon pop-up stores, on the other hand, were focused were smaller, more focused mall experiences that offered rotating-themed products. March is a printer collaboration with Brother, for example. Yeah, and they had one of those pop-ups at Willowbrook as well. In that main atrium area. All of Amazon's retail locations, however, helped serve as a physical contact point to return Amazon products in addition to offering lower prices and perks to Amazon Prime subscribers. The news isn't entirely shocking. Amazon's retail ambitions have largely felt like small-scale trials compared to the massive scale of its online operations. And, as CNBC reports, the company's physical locations have performed far worse than its digital storefront in recent years. Amazon isn't exiting brick-and-mortar stores entirely. The company will continue to operate its Amazon Fresh and Whole Foods grocery stores as well as the Amazon Go convenience stores with their unique cash cashierless model. You know, there's one Amazon Go in the building I work in, and it's still there. And I just went there uh, the other day when I went into New York. Amazon's experimental Amazon-style clothing store is also sticking around, too. Amazon has yet to say when exactly it'll be closing up its physical shops, although Reuters reports that timing will vary from store to store. So I started noticing it, first at American Dream, Then, at Willowbrook, I noticed it was all gone. So, there's your explanation as to what happened. They shut them all down. I thought they were pretty cool, though. Anyway. I'm sure I can live without it. (laughs) i mean sure it's fine. It's fine. There'll be new stores, whatever. What do you want? There'll be more ramen. There'll be more stores. All these other places are shutting down. What do you want? That was kind of a cool sound effect of the drill going. Kind of, in an audio sense, kind of echoing the idea of things shutting down. <laughs> it's all connected, man! And now a siren in the distance going down, echoing that sentiment. Up and down, up and down. You know the news? Uh, Raquel Welch has died at age 82. And, um... She's definitely, to me, a weird celebrity because she was off, often sort of, uh... the sort of quintessential beautiful woman for many years, like in the 60s and 70s. But I don't really remember seeing her that much in, in like, movies or TV shows or anything. Um... I know what she looks like, but—and I know she has that iconic—she was in that, whatever, that caveman movie, One Million Years B.C. or something, where she had that fur bikini, which was very revealing. And, but I realize I don't really have much of a sense of Raquel Welch. I sort of remember, like, uh, Bob Hope, Raquel Welch, rawr, you know, he made that wow, that weird sound, Wow, Raquel Welch, yeah, she's a sexy lady, <laughs> Bob Hope. People don't remember Bob Hope anymore anyway. He was everywhere for, for quite a time. Um, So yeah, she's sort of very famous, but doesn't really have a lot of points of contact in terms of pop culture that I'm aware of. Apparently she was in Fantastic Voyage, the movie of, that I know I've seen at some point, a movie about it miniaturizing a team of surgeons into this little like submarine to go into someone's bloodstream to save their life. It was like a a very important politician or something. Remember that whole thing? And, uh... Yeah, it's just it's just weird. I want to see if I can... Let me see if I can find anything with Bob Hope and Raquel Welch. Yeah, look at this. The first video that came up, 1967. Vietnam War, Bob Hope and Raquel Welch, 1967. And interestingly, Bob Hope used to have a series of comic books, right? Where he... Like, it was his... His nephew would fight monsters like Frankenstein and Dracula and stuff. Remember that? I talked about it as I was looking at the comic books that were on the shelves when I was born, October third, 1967, right? And um, it was the second-to-last issue came out the day I was born. And it was like Dracula and Frankenstein, they're plotting on how to defeat Bob Hope's nephew. So this is also '67. This is a big year for Bob Hope. His comic, well, his, po- his comic book finally ended. But let's see, let's see what this video has. They have my every move. That's Raquel. She was right next to me on the stage. Raquel, he here's it. the way we all feel about you, Raquel Welch. You make me feel so young. And Raquel Welch is dancing. That spring has sprung, and every time I. Yeah, Bob Hope, like. With Google you know. Pixel, no Google Pixel, stop! Watch
1: oh my God.
0: Anyway, <laughs> there was a connection there. But yeah, I don't know. Like she's, sort of an enigmatic figure, in my opinion. You know. Maybe I'll have to start researching her, researching her like I've been researching Anthony Newley, who was, fell into much greater oblivion than she did. You know, and he was. A much greater talent, I, I would have to. He's a great talent, amazing talent, Anthony Newley. More mysteries from the 20th century. Anyway, um, on the topic of the unidentified flying objects, uh, I do still go to this website called Godlike Productions, which is a massive message board that is really a cesspool of a lot of negativity, but. Occasionally, you'll find some very interesting information there. Someone referenced, um, you know, someone said that maybe these UFOs are actually examples of ancient uh, technology and ancient civilizations, and they linked to this thread from 2014 um, called Remote Viewing Ancient Civilizations, a Compilation of Data. And um, an anonymous individual started the thread saying that they were part of a project or initiative using a technique they were calling remote viewing, though they said that the technique was much more accurate, and they only used the term remote viewing because it was something that people understood the concept of. As I understand remote viewing, it's people that just sort of focus psychically on obtaining information in other places, and you hear about it. There's a lot of psychic research in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and I think uh, you know you heard about programs in, in the Soviet Union and the United States and elsewhere where they were using remote viewing to spy on their enemies or obtain information. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that on a mainstream perspective that remote viewing is still, you know, in great question, and does it actually work? As I've often uh, posited that uh, if it was real, you know, just it'd be real, real simple to uh, come up with a truly random six-digit number, write it on a chalkboard in a sealed room, and have a remote viewer look at it and give the number. And if they could do that repeatedly, and you could repeat that experiment, it would show that it's a true phenomenon. As far as I know, that hasn't happened, or at least, it's not reproducible in a traditional sense that is let's try it you know can we do it and' I'm, I don't I haven't tried it, but I'm assuming people have tried it and or something similar and it hasn't worked <laughs> or I don't know anyway, they're claiming that they have it's a different technique so it's a team of people that's obtaining information about the distant past in an accurate way. And they refused to explain how they did it. Now, this is most likely someone that's just making it all up and having fun. But I really, I've been very <laughs> intensely reading this thread and all, and, and if you look at these threads and you look at their responses, the one that has in parentheses OP, that's the original poster, and their answers to these questions really fascinating. And they talk about how there were, before this high civilization, there, there were two, um, Waves of civilization tens of thousands of years ago, which had rose to this level that we have now or higher, and that um, a lot of artifacts, flying machines, devices, energy devices are still here on Earth, but, and that the authorities are well aware of them but have kept the knowledge of them from the general public. They're, so they're saying that maybe these flying machines are remnants of these old civilizations, and various groups and factions and individuals may have access to them, and that may be what's behind the UFOs, and that there's, they're kind of claiming in this thread that they' they're not aware of any aliens, but that in the past there were different humanoid races on Earth that uh, died out since since all that. So it's a very interesting thread if you care to look at it. And I'm I'm I got to now November 2014 where it seems like the thread died, but it looks like it keeps going. I don't even know. I'm, I'm scanning to see if there's any more OP posts in November. But really interesting reading. This is one of those, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, parts of Godlike Productions that are that that's actually you have to wade through this swamp of horrible stuff to. Uh, find some cool stuff oh look they did come back in 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 november they're claiming that the account which is called alter welt is being run by multiple different people as part of this project something about mounds in ohio oh ohio again <laughs> anyway i just thought it was interesting that, that that's one of the other you know and they're claiming that yes life did evolve on earth they're they do not aware of any extraterrestrial aliens, it, all the stuff that happened on Earth. That's what this thread says. So I'm going to keep scanning this. I thought it was interesting, though. You know, they're saying generally that these civilizations were destroyed through war, and they had energy weapons that were far beyond our nuclear weaponry, and it kind of destroyed the Earth, and there were very few survivors, and then those built back up, and then they all had— the remnants of this old technology, and they even said that, like the Ark of the Covenant, um, is uh, was sort of a an energy core of an ancient device that was part. Of, it was a piece of ancient technology, you know, so that in the in the distant past, but that we still sort of have records of. There is there were the, there were the existence of these technological artifacts from the far distant past, and that. The events, sort of, in the Bible and stuff, are uh, records of people who had—they weren't able to sort of build new ones, but they had uh, these examples of ancient, much more ancient technologies in biblical times, and that's where all of the supernatural stuff comes from. That supposedly, since supernatural is just all technological from previous civilizations, I'm not saying any of this stuff is true. I just thought it was very interesting. Someone asked about the moon landings which they said were true, but the purpose of the moon landings was to retrieve artifacts from the moon because the previous civilizations did have space travel and did build stuff on the moon and Mars and stuff, though they say there was never mass colonization of the solar system. But that the reason we stopped going to the moon was because um, everyone realized, the nations realized that the artifacts on the moon were far too dangerous to be brought back. Hey, it's a bit later on now. I just found out uh, about the, this TV show, The Nevers, which was on HBO. When was it on? I remember I watched it. It was made by uh, Joss Whedon, but he was canceled halfway through it. I don't even know what he did exactly. I think he I think he was like yelling at people on the set, and they were very sensitive to that. So he got he had to leave or something. Um but yeah, let me see. When when did it air? Yeah, w- uh start way back in April twenty twenty one it started. So they had six episodes and then it just ended. I guess because uh, yeah, the Joss Whedon thing. I thought it was mildly interesting. It was uh it took place in the Victorian era in England, like the what, the late eighteen hundreds. And it was an alternate history kind of steampunk thing where there was some weird UFO-type thing in the sky that dropped these particles that gave people superpowers, so it's kind of like an X-Men kind of thing. Mostly women got these superpowers. And um, then there's sort of a sci-fi twist, and then it just ended. But apparently I, I, I wasn't in the know... But apparently they just brought back the rest of the episodes. So there were six episodes in 2021, and they did another six episodes, right? But it's it's no longer on HBO. It's on Tubi now, the free station. But you had to watch it live. And I just missed it. This week, the new episodes aired— Tuesday, and then yesterday, Wednesday, in the afternoon. And you had to watch it live. It's the only time you could see it. They were showing it live in the afternoon on Tubi. Like, what? What? This article says, this is, in my opinion, a bad way of distributing television. What the hell? They're going to show it again in March. March. That is so weird. It was sort of like a prestige, like, top-tier TV show, and now it's been relegated to this weird free streaming afternoon. <laughs> like, what the hell? And I read a bit of a review that said the, the remaining episodes are horrible. That may be why they uh, relegated it to this status, because apparently it got really bad. I'm kind of interested in watching it. I'm sure I could find it on the uh, pirate, pirate systems out there. But that is just really, really strange, really strange. Yes. Anyway, in other news, I saw on my news feed uh, a new kind of vegan junk food. Pringles plant-based chicken fries take vegan snacks to the next level. Kellogg's taps two of its brands, Morningstar Farms and Pringles, to launch next-level vegan snacks with plant-based chicken fries in original and cheddar cheese flavors. And that's just the beginning. <laughs> what the heck is this? Plant-based chicken fries. <laughs> I don't know, man. Pringles, uh, I don't know. Pringles, I think, are accidentally vegan, the regular ones, right? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I guess I'd try it if I saw it in the supermarket or something. But Vegan junk food is still junk food. It's not healthy, but it is rather tasty. (laughs) So I wanted to do a Flea Devil Solitaire update. This is the solitaire game that I invented over the course of 15 years. And late last year, 2022, I had a flurry of activity in Flea Devil and revised the rules through um, extensive playtesting. Only me. I'm the only one playtesting it. And uh, in the course of 2022 playtesting it, I developed a whole set of new rules. And now, with those rules, which I did publish, they're in the the latest edition of the OnSug book, um, I've been playtesting now for a couple months, I think, And with those same exact rules, and I think the game is done. I think the game is perfected at this point. I've been having so much fun with it. I play it all the time. I have decks upstairs. I have decks downstairs. I play it on the bus. I even play it. I've played it on the subway, on airplanes. Walking down the street, you can play it because the cards stay in your hand at all times. Um, Each each, uh, round of the game, which is you shuffle the deck, and then you play the game and uh, you score, right? You If you win the game, you score. If you lose the game, you get a strike, and three strikes and you're out. The games usually last 10, 15 games. It doesn't go overly long. And getting to 1,000 points is um, really good. I, I have gotten there a few times, but it's definitely a challenge. And uh, so I really feel the, the this additional time of playtesting has been extremely valuable to show that this set of rules, again, It's you can get them right now. Just go to onsug.com, click on the book, download the, the latest version of the book, and then towards the end of the first section you'll find the Fleet Devil Solitaire rules. I haven't heard of anyone else playing it yet, but I am very confident in the game at this point. Uh, it uses a regular deck of cards with the, the one uh, issue is that uh, it uses the 52 normal cards plus three zonkers, two of which can be the two jokers that come in the deck and the third card is one of the extra junk cards that comes in the deck or you could use jokers a joker from another identical deck but usually you don't have to and some decks are better than others some of the most decks come with two junk cards some of which do have a card back and some of which don't but it, you can play it no matter what so it's 55 cards to play the game so at this point i realized like i invented it It's great, and so many people could be enjoying it, but it's as to where it is right now, it's very unlikely anyone outside of those of you listening to the show right now would um, find it or know about it. And I've been a bit reluctant to embark on some sort of campaign to present it to the public because I feel like... um, I don't know I, I I just feel like it's an expense in time and energy, and I'm kind of full up at the moment, so I do want to do something with it, but it's a weird moment that i've been an, i'm the only person in the world playing this game right now, and it's just amazing it's such an incredible a diversion it's fun all the time I have a deck by again by my downstairs computer my upstairs computer there's a deck I have that I bring when I'm on the bus and um if anyone can try it out, I, I know what I really need to do is make a series of videos on YouTube teaching the game, showing example games and stuff. But again, that's something that I would like to do at some point, but I don't feel like I can afford to right now in terms of my time and energy. So it's just it's a weird situation with Flea Devil Solitaire, but um, it'll get out there eventually. Uh, I'm just so happy with it. You know, and it was what's really unique about this game in terms of its development is that um the entire development process is is documented on the overnight scape right was it two thousand seven that I started it? yeah, yeah, around two thousand seven I started it, and um so each step of the way is completely explained why how did it get started and The different breakthroughs I made and even the recent breakthroughs in 2022 that led to the current version are all very documented, which is interesting. Um, Yeah. So check it out. I would love to hear. I would love one other person in this planet to be playing this game. Uh, Yeah. I don't know exactly how hard it would be to learn to play. It's a it's a it's. I mean, it's second nature to me now playing it because I I invented it and I've been living with it for such a long time. Um, I suppose it could be a bit of a challenge to learn it, but... And then also the handling of the deck. There's a lot of card handling that I don't know in general how comfortable people would be with in terms of the physicality of it. You're holding the deck in your hand at all times. You're riffling through it. You're putting cards on the top. You're putting cards on the bottom. You're raising cards up to look at them and... Yeah. I'll try to do more eventually to get it out there. Uh, but I do feel it's, uh, you know, and it does feel like something where I've called it like digital detox in your pocket. You know, you, you, while you're playing it, you're not on your phone. You know, it's actually just a deck of cards. And it's it's very cool. And, and, and it's also made me more interested in getting new decks of cards to play with. Like I got that vacuum tube space deck that was super expensive for Christmas, like $30. For one deck of cards, usually decks of cards are under ten dollars, five dollars maybe. That's a great deck. That remember that other deck I got, the uh, El El Dorado. <laughs> While I was playing it, it developed these weird spots, like these weird like little sticky spots. It must have been some coating they used in making it that was applied wrong or something, and that deck became unusable. But it, re- it was a good deck at first. Yeah, it's kind of a weird situation, but. It'll get out there eventually, I, I, I think. Um, I mean, to my sensibilities, it's a lot of fun. It's some I mean, I play games on my phone all the time, but to have something besides that. And what's cool about it is, basically, as you're playing it, you can pause, you can put the deck down, and the game is paused at any time, and you can pick it up any time afterwards, and you'll, the game state is exactly the same. The deck remains intact the whole time. You don't have to put cards on the table. The deck is by all the entire game happens in the deck and the cards that are face-up and face-down is what defines the game state. It's a bit later now. So today's episode is called Neobium Boutique. And uh, yeah this one came together couple different ideas. Um, for a while, I, I've noticed that uh, there's been some albums over the past couple of years that, you know, a square album art that uh, simulates the the look of a, a cassette a C card. You know, the old, uh, when you bought music on cassette, there'd be an insert card that would show the front cover, of the side, and then a little bit of the back, with usually with a track listing. And uh, people sort of adapted this for album covers. So I just made a note of it. At some point, I wanted to do that. Um, and I looked at a few random ones. Like, I, I thought of the band Foghat. Like, Foghat cassettes would be a good starting point. But I didn't want to overthink it. Um, so a lot of times they would use uh, the square cover that was meant for the LP. And, uh, Kitty, what's going on? And then put the title underneath it. So that's that's where my inspiration come, came from. Kitty, what's the matter? Um, so... I, threw, I started throwing it together. I decided to use Helvetica for the whole thing, Helvetica Noia. So it's sort of the condensed bold for the Overnightscape and then uh, a medium for the title. And uh, that was – it's all a black background. It's white type on the cover and then uh, like a red type on the spine. Again, it says the Overnightscape Neobium Boutique. And then um, for the track listing, I just, you know, did uh, – phrases from the show here so side one is a one audio leisure system two radio undefined three a pleasantly insane ramble side two one pop culture two food three tech four occult so again i didn't want to overthink it i just wanted to put it together pretty quickly because some of these ideas are better if you sort of capture it in the inspirational stage for the image itself um I was talking about old black and white TV sets, and I remembered the one that I had. Um, I had the one, and as you're seeing there, that's not the exact one I had, but I had the same exact model. I got it in college. It's the Quasar AP1495YH, and it can still be found on various sites today. And this picture I actually found um, on some sort of, whatever that site is where they show images from old, like, auctions, eBay auctions and stuff. Um, there's a good picture of it with kind of a mottled gray background. I figured it was okay to use the image. I don't know if anyone's going to really mind. Uh, but anyway, this device was amazing. It was basically everything combined. It was a telephone, an AM, FM radio, a TV set with UHF and VHF, and a, a digital alarm clock. And uh, so I this was really something I used quite a bit. I remember I had it when I was... <laughs> sort of living at this photographer studio and like the late eighties with my magazine and stuff and watching stuff on there. It was a great device. I think I eventually just threw it out as I was trying to purge a bunch of items, but this is a great picture of it. And it, you know, it really, uh, Kitty, what are you doing? He's like digging in, my, in a pile of junk over here. Um, so I really liked the image. And then I figured, cause it actually had a video image on there. Um, but I figured I would use a picture of myself. And I actually did take a picture of myself uh, Was it yesterday. When I, when I was sorting out my laundry on my bed, I, uh, I just looked and did a selfie. And none of, none of the selfies I took look good. I, I'm not very photogenic. But uh, that one, I figured, was just kind of an interesting image, especially to put on this little TV set. And then I Photoshopped it in there. And you know I played around with the colors and tried to make it look like it was a video image using the original video image as sort of a, a guide for the colors and stuff. So I kind of like the way that looks. Uh, the, the term Niobian Boutique, I was looking for a title. I decided to look at, like, very old uh, text documents I have from, like, the late 80s. Around the time I actually had this, uh, after college, I was sort of living in my, my parents' house, and I had my studio in the basement with uh, my Macintosh Plus computer and my ImageWriter printer and a photocopy machine and... Um, I created a series of text documents that were numbered and I preserved them to this very day they were in an old Apple Writer program or something MacWrite program, maybe it was MacWrite Kitty, what are you doing? (laughs) he's like digging Um, and uh, so I I had these various files with all these notes in them that seemed fairly incoherent at this point but I was looking for phrases and stuff, and one of them was uh, Nomadi Neobium Boutique because Nomadi was the name of my enterprise at the time. And uh, I just like that phrase, Neobium Boutique, and I, I looked it up. No one else uses it. Neobium is a metal element. Neobium Boutique. And it almost seems like it's an anagram, but I put it into an anagram program and nothing really comes up. So, uh, Neobium is used in a lot of our modern technologies, so it could be seen as a reference to our technological society. And the image itself, I think, really talks about that, sort of uh, the framing, right? So there's the show art itself, and then within the show art is the square of the image. And then within that image is the device itself, the TV set telephone thing. And then inside that is a picture of me. So it's sort of uh, levels of, uh, like meta levels, right? So it's kind of, it kind of all works at some sort of subconscious level. Um but I really like this this cover. It's very different looking, you know. So, so it's sort of uh it's, it's sort of it's something that sort of came together very quickly, kind of randomly, but it's, it's the cassette look is something I've been wanting to do for a while just to play around with. So that's the whole story of a Neobium Boutique. It's later on rainy and colder, the day really changed. Tried to find the the Nevers, but uh, nothing has appeared so far. It's a very strange way to show a TV show. Someone theorized that they were congrat- contractually obligated to show it, but the less they show it, the less they have to pay, or something. So only showing it twice on Tubi—it's <laughs> bizarre. Uh and, and the, for I didn't really read a lot of reviews, but people are saying it's absolutely horrible. This show just must just be because it's an embarrassment or something. I don't know. There could be many reasons for it what they did with that show. I was trying to remember I can't even remember now. I remember there was this video um a streaming service that was meant to be on your phone? And every show you could watch vertically or horizontally. What was, the, what was that show? What was that thing called? Oh, it just came and went, it came and went so fast, but I think uh, I think some channel like the Roku channel or something bought the video library. What was that even called? <laughs> How do I even look it up? I suppose I can try to search for it. It's just, yeah, I know I talked about it on the show. I watched it a little bit. I had it on my phone. There was a show with a guy, What Will Arnett, about pop culture. But they really were a little more than like, almost like just a little more than like YouTube video style quality stuff, you know. Weird. Let, let me pause and look up. No, it's on the tip of my tongue. What could it be? Oh, I can't remember. Let me look it up. Okay, Quibi. <laughs> what a horrible name. I yeah, Quibi. I searched for mobile streaming app t- App defunct, vertical or horizontal. <laughs> it wasn't the first. It wasn't the first link, but it was. Uh, it was there. Quibby. It stands for a quick bite. Man, what a messed up service, right? Quibby. When was that? Was that like a twenty twenty thing? Maybe. Was it like a 20, 2020? Let me see. Quibby was a short-lived American short-form streaming platform that generated content for viewing on mobile devices. <coughs> it was founded in Los Angeles in August 2018 as New TV by Jeffrey Katzenberg and was led by Mike Whitman, its CEO. The service launched in April 2020 but shut down in December 2020 after falling short of its subscriber projections. In January 2021, Quibi's content library was sold to Roku, Inc., for less than one hundred million dollars. Sounds like a lot for that crap. <laughs> Legal issues. Oh yeah, they had patented technology, they were suing people. It just I think there was a good idea in there somewhere, but it just didn't really didn't really show up. Yeah, quibby. <laughs> Wow, I, keep, I that has not crossed my mind. It's funny, like, I know that Quibi has not crossed my mind in a long time. How do I know that, though? I guess I would remember the last time... Would I really remember the last time it crossed my mind? That's weird. Very weird indeed. Hmm. Okay, so yeah, the, um the show with Will Arnett was called Memory Hole and uh wow, I'm playing it right now wow this is an ad well the Roku channel has ads yeah will it, will it do uh, the vertical format for me it's a Roku original is it really It's not doing... You can't switch to the vertical one. That would be cool. So did the, the vertical versions get lost? Hey, there, I'm hey. And hi. This is Memory Hole, the show that reluctantly
4: eats the plane crash victims of television past. Hip-hop today
0: completely dominates the music business, but it... Great. Memory Hole. <laughs> we have remembered Memory hall, say... In it itself is now a trashed piece of pop culture that needs to be recalled by some other entity. Yes. <laughs> nice. Anyway, uh, yeah, I was thinking about that puppet theater. Um, I think, so here's the idea, that it's the, the puppet theater is, is uh, of the inside of a van, right? And behind it is like a video screen that can show the road moving, and that as if they're driving in different places, and th- the entire drama of the puppet show is inside the van. So the crew is inside the van, just just bantering, and sometimes they'll stop. Oh, oh, uh, go in and grab some grab something for me at the convenience store, and then one character will go out, and then they'll come back. Maybe sometimes all the characters will go out and do something, and then it, the lights will fade, and then they'll fade back up, and then they they're, they're back in the van. And talk about what happened. <clears throat> masonweed and, and the puppets of the van. I have used masonweed for a, bun- a m- bunch of different things. I mean, most recently, masonweed as a word was used as um, an experimental audio show feature that I proposed. I did it a few times, but I don't. Th- I don't think it's particularly necessary. But it was an interesting idea. It was the idea that Maize and Weed was sort of the name of a future listener, but everyone can become Maize and Weed in the future. And as you're doing a show, if you're doing a show like I do, you could sort of pause and say, "Hey, Mazenweed, Weed, hey, I'm sitting on my porch and uh, recording uh, the Overnightscape, uh, 1991, I think. Um, the episode entitled Neobium Boutique." And I was talking about um, the puppet show concept, Mazenweed and and the puppets of the van. And I wanted to describe further the Mazenweed concept that uh, I'm talking about now. (laughs) I'm actually doing a Mazenweed now. Actually, the idea was that you would welcome Mazenweed and and then describe where you are and talk about some stuff and then say goodbye to Mazenweed. And that that could just be inside of each person's show. as as sort of a sub-feature within a show. But then all of those Maize and Weed um, segments could be collected and and presented separately, right? I thought it was kind of a cool idea, but it wasn't really, it was just sort of, uh, you know, I think the idea is that I mean, it just seems sort of like a kind of gimmicky novelty thing. I mean, because in general, that's what we're doing. We're talking to you, the people of the future, near and far future. We're already doing it. So it kind of felt like that Process was a bit super a bit superfluous, so perhaps Mason Weed will become the uh, will be the stone stoned wizard guy uh, as as opposed to the future listener. We shall see. Bye, Mason Weed. Continue on your your journey to the next audio feature. yeah that actually was an impromptu uh s- segment, but as I said, I don't really feel like it's particularly necessary to do that or I don't know the needs i think that the the concept needs to be refined a bit more, but anyway, you could be talking to the stoned wizard puppet too, you know are we all stoned wizard puppets after all? um no, not at all <laughs> we're not <laughs> anyway uh whoa oh it's the- it's the the workers over there. In, in the early dusk, I think they're finishing up for the day. Their house building work, house re, house uh, refining, re-, re renovating. There, that's the word I'm looking for. The house renovating work. Yeah, <laughs> but it, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he's like a stoned wizard guy, and then I, I really never developed the other characters. But it mean, might be kind of cool as like a puppet show inside the inside the van yeah (laughs) what's going on man there's a big dumpster out front look at that I wonder who's gonna buy that house I hear the housing market is a bit down these days so I don't know I don't know if it's a good time to flip a house but I was was talking about these these guys they they're, they're companies that they just drive around neighborhoods that have uh good house prices and they'd look for dilapidated homes and they go up and they knock on the door and it's, it's usually some like some person in some sort of state where they are, you know can't maintain the house and they're like listen we'll pay cash for your house you can go move somewhere else and i know two of two of, across from me and next next door to my in-laws that, that this happened and the people just moved out they were happy to leave it's kind of cool you know just driving around looking for dilapidated houses. <laughs> I'm sure nine out of ten the people are like get the hell out of here. Who do you think you are? My house is fine. <laughs> These flippers. In other news, uh, Fish, my fa- my favorite band uh, currently, the current band that I would go see and stuff. Uh, they're going to be having a lot of shows this year. Starting uh, a little over a week, they're going to be in Mexico. I'm going to stream those four shows, and then in April they have a mini tour west coast though so that's going to be real late nights to watch that one i'll probably do that as well though I, i can't miss fish shows now come on but then the big summer tour including seven nights at madison square garden yes the closest big venue to me here get there on the bus pretty quick seven nights i'll certainly go to at least one but i'm thinking maybe should i go to all seven that'd be so cool Spending a whole week. I'll take the week off of work and everything, and I'll just go see fish every night. That would be great. Maybe I will, you know. I didn't enter the lottery yet, though. I don't know. I have to really form my plans. But I think it's it's like late July, early August, and I think I should do it. <laughs> go see fish every night. That would be the best. But it's very tiring going to the show, you know. But uh, I think I, I think I should look into it. What do you think? Amazing Weed, what do you think? Oh, Amazing Weed's already gone. Okay. I want to see fish. I saw them at Madison Square Garden uh, back in December. It was a great show. Yeah. Great show. Anyways, uh, thanks for patching in. I want to say thank you very much for patching into this episode of The Overnightscape. I am your host, Frank Edward Nora. Just like those guys are packing up. I'm packing up the first part of this episode, and uh, we're here in the Overnightscape Underground, a radio station inside a book. Currently, you can find all information at onsug.com, O-N-S-U-G.com. That's short for Overnightscape Underground. Go to onsug.com to get all the latest shows. Um, we have dozens of hosts uh, doing many shows each week. Well, we have do- had dozens of hosts. I don't know if it's dozens currently that are doing sh- but it's a lot. And uh, overall, we have dozens of hosts. I can say that. Dozens, that means 24, 25. Let's not be so literal about it, shall we? Um, Yeah, we have over 13,000 hours of content in the archive. There's the book, of course. You can buy the physical copy of the book. And a new edition is coming out this year. You can also download the PDFs. As I mentioned, the PDF of the current book, it's updated monthly, contains the rules to Fleet Devil Solitaire if you want to try that out. I would love if someone else tried that out. Um, There's also a show uh, called Overnightscape Central each week, and you are invited to record a segment and send it in to Mr. P.Q. River out in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. We are in the middle of a series of shows now each week um, reviewing and talking about uh, one of the Beatles albums. It's been going great so far. I've been absolutely enjoying it. Just the other day, I th- yesterday, in fact, I did uh, the Beatles' fourth album, Beatles for Sale. And uh, probably their worst album, though, they're the Beatles, so even their worst album's pretty good. And Coming up next is Help, and that's a great album. I've been listening to that as well. Uh, far superior to uh, Beatles for Sale. But it, at least Beatles for Sale has that great song. But tomorrow may rain, so I'll follow the sun. Right, Paul McCartney's great song there. bit of a deep track, but great Beatles song. So, if you have anything to say about the Beatles, I would recommend uh, participating in the near future. And then, uh, the after that's done, there'll be sort of you know unpredictable topics each week. You don't know what, what PQ is going to choose. As he says, the Anunnaki whispers in his ear sometimes. The topic of the shows. But yeah, the Beatles thing is, has been really great. I'm a huge Beatles fan, so it really it works for me. <laughs> Um, yeah I didn't know that when you opened up I never had a physical copy of the British release of uh, Beatles for Sale but if you open it up it's a gatefold sleeve and on the right side is the Beatles in front of this mural of different images of movie stars and it sort of predicts the uh, the cover of uh, Sgt. Pepper's cool stuff right yes please participate We'd love to hear from you. And coming up in uh, just a little over a month is going to be the 20th anniversary of this show, The Overnightscape. It will actually be episode 2000. It really worked out that way. It's very strange. And um, for that episode, I'm going to, I should actually do that soon, break out my old uh, equipment, see if it still works, and use the old equipment I I used in the early days of The Overnightscape. That'd be cool if it (laughs) works. Um And I'm going to play all of the messages that are left on this service. I have set up an actual telephone number using Google Voice for you to leave messages, and you can leave as many as you like, uh, for the 20th anniversary show, um, March 27th, 2023. Now, obviously, I think I'll probably keep it it going afterwards, and people can leave messages possibly, but the phone number is 949-ONS20th. Yes, as you might think, a seven-digit number is a one-in-ten-million shot. ONS stands for Overnight escape, and 20th, or for the 20th anniversary, ONS20TH was available. <laughs> what? On Google Voice. They only give you like a, a few dozen uh, numbers to, like, to choose from, but you can search. Anyway, 949 is a Southern California area code. I don't think that really matters anymore, the area code, right? Do, do you, are you charged long distance anymore? I don't think so. Anyway, then uh, just call 949-667-2084. That's 949-667-2084 or 949-ONS-20th. Leave your message. Love to hear from you. Believe me. If you leave a message, it will mean more to me than just about anything. Please do. It's very, it's very important to me. Please leave a message. <laughs> going on over there. I don't know. I guess they get, they're getting ready to leave. Hey, I had hit pause there because the letter carrier was coming and I had a letter to give her to mail. I said, can you post this? I, I didn't want to say, can you mail this? Because that doesn't sound right. Can you post this? Feels like I, I, I'm someone from like the 19th century. Hello, can you post this? <laughs> What's going on? So, like, I can't tell okay yeah when I have the headphones in I can't really tell what direction things are coming in coming from it's weird right yeah so uh, you know now that you know about the overnight escape underground you know you you have it now for the rest of time the rest of your life and who knows since we're trying to preserve this into the far future maybe many lifetimes many incarnations reincarnations you'll you'll get to hear more and more of our archive 13,000 hours takes a long time to listen to but you could listen to it it's a year and a half of audio so, you know, if you were listening eight hours a day every day, let's say, it would take three times that amount or four and a half years. But that would be spending every single day. If you take weekends off, it might take five or six years. Yeah. But you don't have to listen to all of it. You can, you can explore it at your leisure. Yes. Talking about leisure or leisure. What was that guy? Remember that guy? What was the guy? He he lied all the time. He's li- Joey Isuzu, yeah. His he, his real name was David Leisure. <laughs> he would have a commercial like, "Hi, I'm Prince Charles. I have eight million dollars in my pocket." <laughs> he's like lying about everything, and he's like Isuzu is a terrible car. Well, Joey Isuzu lies about everything, so you must know Isuzu is a great car. Do they still make Isuzu? <laughs> is that still a thing? I was, I remember, all I remember was, the, was it the Forerunner, the Isuzu Forerunner? I don't know. He'd have a commercial, he'd be like, Hi, I'm standing here on Mount Kilimanjaro. And I, I, no, the Mount Kilimanjaro, no, what's that? What's that uh, the, I'm standing here on the Olympus Mons on Mars. And I'm listening to the Pixie song, Bird Dream on the Olympus Mons. I want to tell you that you will absolutely not be entering a wondrous audio realm in a few seconds. I will tell you there is no way you're entering the
4: other side.
3: Take it someplace fun, skiing or something, you know. The beach, by the pool. It's really fast and I just got it and it's silver and it's really exciting and the sound quality is really good and I don't have to watch airplane movies anymore. You got your feet in the sand, and you're typing away, and it's it's fun. I was thinking about how my friends were doing their homework at home, and I was like, wow, this is really great. Yeah, I really love my G4.
4: can change, and a large international organization like BAT needs to respond quickly. It was a year when some difficult decisions had to be taken.
1: All events during 1989 were completely overshadowed by the announcement of the proposal to close Liverpool Factory. The decision was a recommendation made by the Europe team who considered, among many other things, the uh, conversion cost structure and the surplus capacity of BAT factories uh, within the Europe community. It was seen as imperative that BAT remains (coughs) one of the lowest cost producers in Europe as we move into the 1990s, when tax harmonization will allow the freer movement of goods, which in turn will lead to increased and fiercer competition.
4: Thanks to bare-naked ladies, Heather Graham, Alec Baldwin, and of course Willie Blue Moon Watts. Tom Snyder is next. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night, everybody. That's just fine.
2: Soy <laughs> salimos en el reino de la muerte El espíritu, porque puedo entrar y puedo salir en el reino de la muerte.
1: Gather sometimes at night when the desert stars are eyes of light. They talk to them in the evening when the moon is clear, About John Silver and the wheel, there, how we march in the wild. Don't to the one With the waters of silver They came Long Were they her name Stand as you're able, the clock measures nothing, the sky is not space, is not sky, here am I, the father, the keeper of sight and of rhythm. For to ride over the waiting horse and we did ride. Fast as anybody had ever been known to ride. The news was out about more than now. All the ground, the more around the reaches lined here around. The minions of the sun, were sweet as apple wine. Across the meadow of Belinda's dream. His heart was a mess to the bower of the first green. His charge was the honor of the palaces of the castle cast no shadow in the in said, take a message, I pray thee, to the king. I tell them the truth of this matter is not what it's Drop down some and return to me. Our ship is rigged with sails and mast anxious for the sea. 7 times 7 and more The driving Man, than I be here, he has not drunk down more. My brain burns with the fires of hell, my guts are passing sore. If any man can test me, then I'll down a couple more. The piper played, the piper wailed, the, the sun shone the sun. The captain stepped past people and said, You're drunker than. Seven cold dimensions Through the mountains of the moon From the core of Chanticleer To the years of quick rain Lies the year of meadow But the sound can travel clear It's yours. No, I your mother said she found it in your closet. I don't know. One of the guys must have what. Look, Dad, it's mine. Where, not where my... did you get it, Dad? Answer I... me taught you how to do this stuff you are right i learned it by watching you
2: parents who use drugs have children
1: who use drugs
4: On the Forbes magazine list of richest celebrities last year, the name Shusha was right up there with Bill Cosby, Oprah Winfrey, and Kevin Costner. That made a lot of people ask, Shusha who? You will find out who she is, what she does, and how to spell her name from Shusha herself. Here's today's inside story. She's the biggest performer in South America, hotter than Madonna. She's constantly mobbed and can't go out in the streets by herself. Her name is Xuxa, spelled X-U-X-A. And she's the host of a children's TV show six days a week in Brazil. Blonde, blue-eyed, and six feet tall, Xuxa is the sensual pied piper of youth, now in 16 countries throughout the world. And she signed a deal with American Television to bring her show to the United States.
3: When I begin, just to begin, I love and I have a dream to do the best and and the best and and receive the best too.
4: Shusha is so powerful that when she did a public service announcement for polio vaccinations, over 90% of the country's children were vaccinated. In Argentina, fans stay round the clock outside her home and dog her every footstep. One day in Rio, and we followed her to the Shusha Foundation, a charity she founded to help poor kids. Fans waited for hours out front, on nearby houses, on walls, and in trees to catch a glimpse of her. Then when she tried to leave, her car was mobbed. With all of his fame and notoriety comes fear. Last year, a group of armed teen fans tried to kidnap her. They were killed by police, and now Shusha lives in terror.
3: I'm afraid. I'm afraid about this. All the time I think this. When I go to the street and I think if the people stay with, close with me, if if say, oh, give me autograph or come with me, ah. Oh. It's bad.
4: Shusha takes refuge from the crowds at this farm outside Rio. It's her sanctuary filled with animals that were given to her as gifts by her fans. She even keeps a museum of toys and other tokens bestowed on her by her followers. But this queen of South America is lonely. She has no personal life, although she admits a liking for John Kennedy Jr., whom she dated once.
3: I'd like no more him. Maybe. Hi, John.
4: Not one to rest on her success, Shusha has further grand plans, including a giant Shusha theme park in Brazil. She's bought the land and is searching for investors to develop it. Plus, she plans on conquering America next year, taping shows in English for children here.
3: I do like know United States. I do, I, I do like know the children in the United States. So I will try. Yeah.
4: Patricia's American syndicated show is expected to begin airing next year. Meanwhile, she could already be seen and heard in some American cities on the Spanish language network Univision.